Hey, Alex, did, did you know something? Do, do you know what? Um, you know what? What? It's, do you know what today is? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's Kentucky Derby Day. Yeah, I know that too. Okay. Did you know it's Free Comic Day? Yeah, I did, knew that too. Did you know that it's a Star Wars Story Day? Yeah, I knew that too. Well, hey, we're all caught up with everything that's happening today. Do any or all of those things interest you personally? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the three, what what is your uh, preferred thing? Probably Star Wars Day. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. Because um, I don't really read a lot of comics, and, um, and uh, I can't ride a horse. So overall, yeah, I think that I have to go with the, with the Star Wars uh, for this. Um, I wish we uh, had some uh, Star Wars people around uh, that uh, we might be able to, uh, to talk to. I did last year. I was uh, trying to, or at least I made an attempt to contact the folks over at Fantasy Flight to yeah. see if, um, if they might be able to come on to talk to us about Edge of Empire. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I never got, got anything back from them. Of course, it so might then, just be it was on short. Now, I, I contacted them pretty soon. They probably realized that that's just not going to happen by May 4th. <laughs> but yeah, it's possible. Um, uh, anyway, uh, so what are you up to tonight? Uh, this. You, <laughs> could, you, could you be... <laughs> God damn you. Could you be any more specific as to, like, what, are you currently playing anything? Are you drinking anything? Those are two things I know you like to do together. Um, I have a, a sweet tea with some sweet tea vodka in it. Oh my god, that's sweet teaception. Yeah. What were you going uh, to so, deal with that? so sweet and tea-like that it's just delicious. That's too sweet. See, for me, um, that's just, uh, that seems too sweet. I was thinking about playing something, but I don't know what I want to play while we uh, chat. Well, I don't know. Uh, I was, uh, I don't usually play anything while we're doing live streams, unless it's, you know, specifically that well, I'm doing a live stream. One, I mean, some, some part of me thinks you should sometime, like nothing too intensive. Oh, um, yeah, no. It requires a lot of, like, thought process, but something that, so, like, so the screen wouldn't be just our Discord just panel. Just our Discord panel. It would be something. It would be something uh, real. Yeah. Yeah, it would be a, a real streaming thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's you funny. could play Lovers of Aether again. Yeah, I could play. I could. Expensive. I could keep going through <laughs> to see what all the actual endings are. That's always yeah. fun. I think then our conversations would turn into that, though. Yeah, we would just be talking about that. That's the problem. Well, it's uh, it's interesting because um. Before we got on, uh, I noticed that they had some uh, recent videos on Twitch, so I was looking at some of them, and uh, they had uh, Welsh's Grape uh, Game Juice, which is uh, Kate Welsh's stream that she does. And oh, okay, I was thinking of uh, of the Welsh's of the Welsh. Well, her her name is Welsh, and it's Game Juice, so she's oh, so she's like drinking her tea, uh, which is like her juice, and she's playing Baldur's Gate two. The enhanced oh, nice, edition. Nice. But there if you, you don't, go. do you know who Kate Welsh is? No. Oh, uh, she's a she's a designer over at uh, Dungeons and Dragons. 
Oh, okay. See, yeah. I'm, I'm still bad at that. There was, um, she was talking about, uh, I can't remember, it's something Salt Marsh, Demons of Salt Marsh, or whatever the new supplement is. She was, uh, she's credited as one of the lead designers. Oh, nice. So, um, but yeah, nice. so, so she would just be playing that, and, uh, she just Are the main baddies, with... like, crocodiles, like Salt Marsh crocodiles? I would love that so much. Well, you know, what's fun is that if DC joins us, uh, He'll probably be able to tell us because what I realized is when I was looking at the chat that because the they show you what the chat timestamps and everything were on the side. Um, yeah. The first person who's listed there is DC <laughs> because <laughs> he because it's a D and D stream, so he's he's doing his um, he's doing his moderator thing. He's and doing that thing that he does so much so well. He's doing that thing where he moderates uh, literally, I think, everything on Twitch now. I think he yeah, actually moderates. I think he's actually uh, I think he's listed in our uh, no, that's that's you. Never mind. Yes. <laughs> he's I think I think he is is moderating literally everything. Uh at Can we point. just like summarily promote him as a mod of our channel? Just just like Yeah. No, no he <laughs> just honorarily. If, if he if he needs the credit on his on his record, I don't know <laughs> if I do, I honestly think it could not pers it would if anything, it makes us look legitimate, not him, <laughs> because his credits are way more are way more laudable than ours. You know, speaking of that, I'm not even a moderator moderator on my on the Twitch channel. You're uh, not I a moderator. Oh, we're I'm not drunk yet. Oh, we're gonna have to do something about that. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I I don't even know if I'm technically a mo. Nathan, it's you don't have to be a mod if you own the channel. Wait, I'm gonna type something. Uh, I'm gonna type something in my Twitch that says, "I'm a moderator in my own mind." Okay, yeah, it does show that I am a broadcaster, and so okay, I don't have to be a moderator. Yes, because there is usually a tag for moderators, but it's not. Uh, it's not on that. I don't know how I would make um, you a moderator. We'll have to figure that out. You have your own Twitch account, right? So I think you count as the owner. Oh, okay. Yeah, because right now I'm in as Delve Podcast. But um, but I think if you're if you have a, an account all of your own, I think that uh, I I can probably add you as a moderator. Eh, no big deal. Yeah. It's not it's, like there's much to moderate. There's there's the, uh, really nothing to moderate. I guess that's why it's good that we uh we it would be like a an honorary promotion for anybody who wants to be a moderator for our site. Um, don't worry, you don't literally have to do anything. <laughs> you can just yeah, you, you can just sit back and enjoy. Because you get to moderate Nathan. You get to moderate me. There is no moderation when it comes to me. Um, <coughs> so. <coughs> Oh my god. <clears throat> I must be coming down with a snake curse. Are you uh are you feeling better from your uh Oh snake yeah, curse? I, I ended up being sick almost too weak. Oh that's not good. That's not good. Yeah, because I was you you definitely didn't sound like good that day, so I was, I was No, wondering. I I was I was very not well for a little while there. Very not well. I yeah. I could uh, I could definitely tell. Um, but th that's okay. I had a, I had a lovely chat, um, uh, on, uh, on an interview, uh, which, uh, I would highly advise that you, that you listen to, um, 
when it uh, releases. Uh, which one? Uh, it is. Uh, it's going to be releasing this week, um, and it's. Um, I talked to uh, Tristan Zimmerman, uh, who oh, is okay. uh, making history. Uh, about... Literally, or the name of the thing is making. history? Well, we made a little history ourselves, but okay. but it's also called Making History, uh, that takes place in um, three one session uh, RPGs. And so, uh, so that that was interesting. Uh, you'd probably find it interesting. He has historic precedents for all three of them, but also um, each one of them, it, it's all basing itself on a singular like dice system. But each one of those scenarios uses that dice system differently in terms of how it, it structures itself. So. Uh, yeah, I thought it was, uh, it was very interesting, and I learned some stuff. I actually did learn history stuff, so... Well, from history stuff can always be fun. Yeah, it certainly can. So, look forward to that, folks. Um, so since it is Star Wars Day, while we're, uh, while we're hanging out here, um, out of... What is your favorite Star Wars thing? Do you have a favorite Star Wars thing? Doesn't have to be a movie. Um, what do you mean thing like game or movie or any or show or... any kind of thing that has star wars smacked on it basically i really liked the clone wars animated series i don't know if i would say oh, okay. it's my favorite star wars thing though i know a lot of people that would probably say that um they they like the the clone wars i've known some people who liked rebels that thought rebels was one of the best I haven't things seen rebels so yeah yeah they did a really good job with a lot of those animated series. They're um, they're going to have live action series. Did you know that? Oh boy. They're going to have a. I think they're going to have a Boba Fett series. It uh, can't be worse than Solo. <laughs> well, because you, you know how Disney is going to be doing their subscription service by the end of the year. Yeah, well, they're, one of the things that they're doing is that they're taking some of their Marvel and Star Wars properties and all of those, and they're creating mm-hmm. original series out of them. Gotcha. And so one of them is going to apparently be uh, about uh, Boba Fett, and I thought that there might be something else that they're working on. But but it's got, they're going to do some live-action series specifically for like the Disney Plus or whatever it's called. Um, so I'll never see it. Uh, basically, right. <laughs> basically, I'll never see it unless I get really bored. But I have plenty yeah. to watch, regardless. Because um, uh, I was yeah. tell I was telling you how um I uh, I got Hulu, I got the the Hulu going, and mm-hmm. so uh, is there anything good on Hulu right now? Because I had a friend offer me. Um... I'll tell you to be, on, to be on their account, and I was like, hmm, I don't know if there's anything I'd watch on there except for like season two of One Punch Man. Yeah, you know, it's it's um it's interesting. I got on there actually because I had not been able to see Lethal Weapon. I wanted to watch that show. I was curious about it, and um, it's good. I like it a lot. But while I was on there, I realized, oh, there's some shows on here that I can't find other places. Mom's actually been watching uh, Handmaid's Tale. She says that's pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. What was the other series? Oh, Future Man. I, I will tell you, you would you would like Future Man a lot. You would yeah. like that a lot. <laughs> uh, it, it highly recommend, especially especially for you, I think. Because one of the things that I've been watching on Hulu right now is Rick and Morty. Because I was trying, I, f- I was like, "Damn it, I, 
I guess I have to watch this. And mm-hmm. so that's all on Hulu right now. Yep. Uh, so you can watch all have of that. Have you been enjoying Rick and Morty since you hadn't watched it before? Uh, I have been w- enjoying the Rick and Morty. Um, I uh, I like the uh, somewhat absurdist and at the same time uh, brilliant sort of uh, science fiction commentary that they like to make. Yes. Uh, it's it's good. The one I just saw, I'm up to, uh, what was it, A Rickle in Time where uh where they get like split into like 15 different versions of themselves and they have to try and pe- it's like the beginning of season 2. Oh, it's um the the collars. Yeah, where they have to put on the collar. Um I I saw that one and then I saw the one right after it where the gas cloud was they were trying to uh free the the gaseous cloud creature that uh, wanted to come oh. back and destroy everything. <laughs> Morty murders it. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a place with a whole lot more than Morty. It's, it's going to be great. No, no, right don't now. do it, Rick. Don't do it. Oh, I don't... I So far, I'm trying to think, like, the one in season one that I like the most. It might be... It might be the Meeseeks episode. I just really... <laughs> I don't know why I like that so much. The it's idea it throws you for a loop. Yeah, the, the, I'm Mr. Meeseeks. Look at me, and all of a sudden, it's it, you start to realize that, like when Rick's going, you have to give them very simple commands, because otherwise it's going to be bad. <laughs> and then you realize, oh my God, these are creatures that are supposed to be in and out of existence pretty quickly to do simple tasks. They're not supposed to be alive for like three days, and now they're having existential crises, <laughs> and, and it's all because Jerry it's all because yeah, Jerry needs to take two swings off his golf game, and he can't do it. He won't pay attention. Yeah. He won't learn. Yeah, the Jerry daycare. Jerry. <laughs> the Jerry daycare. Yeah, yes. the Jerry daycare. Oh no, you're free to leave whenever you want. It goes outside for like literally five minutes and it's like, alright, I'll go back to the daycare. <laughs> I'll go back to the daycare. That one and um oh what what was the other one that I liked? Um where Rick meets the even eviler Rick and he has like um, the Morty shield. <laughs> yeah, that, that comes back later. Oh yeah. Good. Because I, uh, yeah, Morty's got, Morty's got stuff going. Oh no, no, no! The one where he, what was it, Glargalon, when he ended up with a child, that he had to try and raise. Oh yeah. Yeah, and they go to the planet, and then Rick they find a sex bot. Yeah, <laughs> and they find the, the 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 females and the males on the planet, and Summer is the one that's like. That that can reason with everybody. You had this very cute top was made by Mark Jacobs. <laughs> like this is this is how she explains to them that their planet is different. That was like you guys are dumb. Yeah, I know. The end of the end of season one was pretty great though, where Rick they finally understand what wubba lubba dub dub means. But then Rick is kind of like going. Yeah, no, it's all right, Morty, because I got another catchphrase. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. All day long. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a... Uh, it's it's uh, 
it's a fun show. The um, it's you're only like two years late. It's fine. Yeah, it's a fun show. Uh, I I did realize though pretty early on that there are a lot of places where it feels like they were totally making some of this stuff up off the top of their heads when they do the um when they do like the um oh it was Rixty Minutes it's the one where they could get any channel from anywhere in the universe the the multiverse on on their television and they're kind of like going wow oh interdimensional cable yeah and and you you knew that like they were trying to make meta commentary because they're like going yeah, boy, it feels like a lot of the shows in the multiverse are uh, pretty much like it seems randomly generated, like improvisational. Like no one had a plan going into it, and then they show some of the shows. It's like this makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Absolutely no reason. <clears throat> and it does sound too like they were they were pretty they much did. like they they, yeah. they off the cuff on that first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a few places where I was like, oh yeah, they were they were just making stuff up as they were coming up with this. They're going through the dimensional portals and all of a sudden there's like a phone sitting in a pizza chair ordering a phone book for dinner with like another phone book on the sign. I was like, mm. oh yeah, they're they're going down a wormhole with their thought process regardless of whether it's good or not. But um so now if here's here's the thing though if I'm watching Rick and Morty uh now what you got to do is you got to watch uh South Park so that No. You know, why? No, I don't. Why? Uh why? one there's way too much South Park t to catch up on. That's true. There's 25 seasons or something and like two, that. And two. Just no. I don't like <laughs> South Park. See, I never understood that. I would think South Park would be totally up your up your alley. That that would be definitely nope, a thing. Don't care for it. No, that's weird. Nope. Don't care for the Simpsons either. So. Yeah, Simpsons and South Park are different, different animals, though. I mean. And S Simpsons. I mean, yeah, but I'm just saying. Simpsons is, has Wild, a lot wildly popular things, and I don't like either of them. Yeah, but I mean, if we're gonna say like wildly popular things we don't like, I mean, then what happened? Rick and Morty is pretty popular now, so. I mean. Yeah, 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 but Rick and Morty's good. Well, yeah, which just kind of proves that sometimes popular things can be good. No, because I, I don't... Maybe. Sometimes, <laughs> sure, whatever. <laughs> I, I, I have a firm belief that uh, while that popular things can be good... Um, You're, it's okay to be wrong sometimes. No, it's not. Uh, no, it's not <laughs> wrong. Uh, the, here's the reason why I have a problem when people are like, uh, you know, if it's if it's if it's popular, it can't be good. It's like, well, what happens when you like your niche thing that you're enjoying goes mainstream? Then can you, you no longer Game like of Thrones it? turned into a series on HBO? <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing: like, people loved Game of Thrones before there was a show, but now there's a lot more people who love Game of Thrones because it's a show. But that doesn't mean the show's bad. No. It's... I, I just... I don't like the same things other people do a lot of times. Uh, like when people go, oh, the greatest uh, game of all time is Final Fantasy VII. I go, eh. 
Okay, well, see, I'm kind of on the same page with you on that. I tried to play Seven for about five minutes, and um, I kept, like, dying during the first encounter, and I was like, I have no idea how to play this game. <laughs> I, I didn't understand it, but I was pretty yeah, late to the um, party. It's so. it's one of those things people with nostalgia for a thing love it more because mm. they're, they remember it so fondly. It, it's... It, that's actually one of those few cases where I would say a remake, if, if like they did a ground-up remake of a particular game, it may benefit it tremendously because if you took the story from 7, I think people love the characters and the storyline and everything from 7 more than maybe yeah. the gameplay. If they took, like, the control scheme and the gameplay and everything that they made from, like, 15, which worked real well. Like, I, I played 15 through to the end. The gameplay actually works real well. If they took that and they applied it to 7, I think it would have benefited 7 a lot more. Uh, yeah, with if modern they technology. were to remake... ...of 7... Mm. Um, I would definitely consider playing it. Yeah, yeah. How did, how much did you um get through seven anyway? I I didn't. I haven't touched it. Hey DC over there in the Twitch chat. Oh, DC's over in our Twitch chat. I should check on Twitch chat. Ah, uh, wubba lubba dub dub. Yes. Hey DC, welcome to the party. Um. Our, our unofficial uh, moderator for the Delve channel. <laughs> Which, it, DC knows, it means literally you don't have to really do anything. Uh, you, just, you just hang out, pretty much. Um, uh, yeah, before you got here, we decided you're our unofficial <laughs> moderator. <laughs> and I, why not? You do it for everything else. And I realized that that, that actually m brings way more credibility to, to us than it really does to you because, you're <laughs> because your bona fides are far better than ours. <laughs> so, so it just makes us look legitimate <laughs> as, a, as an outlet. Oh, something like that. Yeah. So you. There's a bug on my wall. There's a bug on your wall. Is it a spider? No. Or is it a? Th it's a. It's it's a spider. It should be a spider. Hey DC. Hey. Hey. So I'm here to legitimize. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was earlier uh, before you came in. Alex was like, Nathan, maybe you should be, like, trying to, like, play a game when we do the stream so that there's, like, gameplay and stuff going on. And I, right before we started the stream, I was uh, over, it's, it showed some of the recent videos on channels that we follow, and there was Welsh's great uh, game juice. And so mm -hmm. I, I went to just check out what, what Kate's doing over there, and um, uh, I realized, like, oh, she plays games, and then she chats with, with people while she's doing that and, and, and all the rest. And uh, I was like, oh, that, that does sound pretty good because then you get to actually, like, do stuff. And the, but the first thing I realized was they show what the chat was from the, from the live stream. And, like, the first name and then, like, every third name or so was yours. 
because and I'm like, oh right, <laughs> that's a thing you do. <laughs> yeah, it's, right. this is the D and D channel. So, um, how has the how has that been going? By the way, good, good. I sort of have uh, two jobs right now, so I'm tired most weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <I feel> that. <laughs> yeah yeah well this it's 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 a, it's a lot to moderate yeah. big channels big channels um yeah uh i had asked alex uh, a little bit earlier what his favorite star wars thing was but i will uh, ask you too out of like any it doesn't have to be movies or anything like that but if there's a specific star wars piece of media that you uh, that you particularly like, uh, if you if you would if you would like to share. Oh, uh, as far as yeah, uh, it... games go. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic is probably one of my yes. favorite Star Wars experiences. Mm. As far as that goes, mm -hmm. yeah, that's the one that I want them to do as a movie. If they're looking to do new movies, I I would really prefer they do that story than like young. Obi-Wan or something. <laughs> I, would, I would enjoy a young Obi-Wan and um, Qui-Gon. Yeah. Solving... Yeah, that, that was a... Fighting crime. Solving Solving what? mysteries. <laughs> it's a buddy cop getting the Scooby Getting the Scooby gang back together. Is Chewie in it? Does I don't think so. Chewie's always in it, though. He kind of has to be. Um, no, but, but KOTOR, I kept thinking to myself, like... Okay, they had been talking about having another trilogy that was done by the writers at uh, Game of Thrones, and I was like, well, okay, well, that would be a perfect project for them. Have them just do an Old Republic trilogy, because they they pretty much already did that in game form, and it might actually work better as a movie. I'm not sure, but uh, no. you didn't you didn't really play. Uh, I played some Kotor. You played a little bit. You played a little bit. It wasn't yeah, like your cup of tea, though, I, I thought. Got some and played it. And... Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I finished it. No. Did you get off Terrace? Which one's that? That's the first planet you land on. Yeah. You you got <laughs> off that, so you were on the main map. Okay. All right. Did you get to the big twist? I don't know, Nathan. It's been a while. I'm not as obsessed with the game as you are. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it. Yeah, I shouldn't go too deep into the weeds when it comes to Kotor. Dude. I'll never get out of so it. So when that uh, twist happened and the game was sort of first out, you could get it on the original Xbox. Mm. A friend of mine was playing it. And he said he got to that part. It happened, and then he shut off his Xbox and said, "It's not going to get any better. <laughs> Nothing." Is. <laughs> and he was just. Like, I mean, obviously, he went on to play more games and stuff. But yeah, yeah. After that moment happened, it was just off and like it's. I need a moment. <laughs> yeah, no, that. See that, that's that's when Bioware was at their best because, at that game by itself, if it literally, it, even if it didn't have the the great reveal and twist and everything, it would have been a wonderfully narratively written game. But when that came was, along, it was me, Mario. Yeah, it was it was a me, a rev. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> when 
when they get to that part and you start to realize not only was this just like, uh, oh, hey, how do you like them apples kind of moment, but like literally Bioware had been setting that up from the beginning of the game. You, you realize mm-hmm. that they literally had set up this thing that you just did not even consider. But it was right in front of your face the entire time and makes perfect sense for every interaction you've had. It's just brilliant storytelling. It's like Sixth Sense, but in video game form for Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so masterful in storytelling. Um, and, and he's kind of right. It really wouldn't get better than that. Um, but it, <laughs> they tried. Right. I mean, I liked I liked Sith Lords. I like Kotor too. I thought that um, Obsidian did a really good job with that game. Um, yeah, I did it too. But as the common complaint is, the ending was just weird and off and not complete. And, the, but yeah. everything up to that point was really good. Yeah, it it's they have some really interesting side characters that you get to play. They did a lot more with character customization. Um, mm-hmm. lightsaber customization, um, your character gets, gets a lot more in terms of levels and powers and, and they really, they really wanted to interact more with like the influence that you have over your crew and how you can start to turn even light side characters to the dark side based on how much influence you have over them. There, there were cool things that they did with that. It was also a lot longer and, and bigger. But yeah, no, you get to that last planet, and then they resolve the whole thing, and I'm like, so basically just Kreia talks to you a lot, and yeah. then it's over. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's just kind of disappointing. Like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yes, you've defeated the Sith Lords. Now, the last of the Sith Lords is going to explain to you what's going to happen after you leave this planet. Enjoy! <laughs> okay. Waluigi comes in and wrecks up the place. No, Waluigi can't even get into a game outside of Mario, I'll tell you. Oh, man. Poor Waluigi. Why won't they just let him fight in Smash Brothers and make everybody happy? He'll be a They're gonna give him his own Smash Ultimate game where he's got all the other characters that aren't in Smash Brothers, like they're, they're Walu. Oh, they're, 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 they're... Walu Pikachu? Yeah. Pikachu. Pikachu. Can you imagine <laughs> if we actually ended up with like the Wario Waluigi versions of all the Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> Walusaur. <laughs> and, and lots of mustaches oh my god oh <laughs> do, you, uh, do you know how adorable that would be you get the squirtle squad and they all have the wario mustaches <laughs> oh man somebody's gotta draw that who has talent in drawing things please do that um they'd end up in smash before waluigi though that's the that's, that's a sad thing um yeah, no, uh, for uh, for Star Wars media, I, uh, I I did really like KOTOR. Um, uh, of course, original trilogy, uh, I really love that. But um, yeah, I mean that was my childhood. So <laughs> yeah, 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 no, I understand. Uh, yeah, no, just can we all just say the best character in all of Star Wars is is obviously Jar Jar Binks? Um, if you want to get strangled, you could do that. <laughs> George <laughs> is an easy punching bag. That's the problem. Is that he's he's just an easy punching bag. No, it's C three PO, obviously. Um, 
I mean, he did become a deity. He did. Did he in the extended universe? No, but no. The Return of the Jedi, the Ewoks celebrated him as a deity because he was all gold. I haven't watched it for a while. Well, what would they do knowing that he had the red arm for a minute? That would really like screw with their religious beliefs (laughs) for the Ewoks, knowing that that's the case. Um. Oh God, who would be my favorite character from the Star Wars movies? Um, BB-8. Go away. (laughs) 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 It's probably Captain Phasma, because literally the least effective villain in the entire in the entire series, except for Hux, who is also and Snoke. You know, it's interesting, like, I I don't, I like the new movies, but I'm realizing how ineffective the villains are at literally doing anything. The First Order's not good at being evil. They don't, they definitely seem like they're cosplaying the Empire in those movies. Down to Kylo. Kylo is definitely like the he is the Darth Vader fanboy who really wanted to be a Sith Lord and is not pulling it off despite trying. But I you know I still haven't watched any of the new movies yet. No. Well, just when you do, haven't, just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, who knows how much is going to get retconned when they do episode nine anyway? So don't worry about it. Um. Yeah, no, the first orders did it did not particularly uh, effective, uh, in my opinion. The thing that has never really made sense to me, and it's the reason why they're wondering about the, the with the announcement of the ninth movie and the whole thing about um, Emperor Palpatine coming back in some way, um, because. Just because you throw someone down this down like corridors and yeah off towers doesn't mean they die. I mean they and apparently getting incinerated Small. in the core of a of 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 the Death Star before it explodes apparently also won't kill you. Which is you like I Sith Lord's a powerful man. They sustain themselves on yeah. um, hate. But you know Snoke I mean, is his master was Plagueis the Wise so. What... Well, good for him. But the thing is, um, but yeah, no, Snoke is definitely dead because he got a lightsaber. Uh, but you know, but but no, Palpatine can come back, but Snoke's totally dead. Um, but the thing that I always was confused by, and I, I get this, I've been listening to some commentary about it. Um, why would Darth Vader, like, if if Kylo Ren is trying to be like Darth Vader, why would he want to be on the dark side? Because wasn't the whole thing that Darth Vader redeemed himself and went back to the light, realizing that the dark side was bad? So, um, right? Didn't Well, anything... at one point, you know, he was the mo- one of the most feared forces in all the galaxy, right? Right. For a very long time. And mm-hmm. so it's sort of like that hero worship where you find that that good parts of it, right? Like a lot of people like Batman, but Batman is sometimes kind of a jerk. Yeah. And so we look yeah. at the, you know, oh, yeah, he's cool. He has a brilliant mind and everything, but. Yeah. 
I, I think it's like when, when you're looking at like Force Awakens where Kylo seems to be like trying to talk to Darth Vader about being pulled to the light mm-hmm. and wanting to I do wonder like, well, why didn't Anakin Anakin's a force ghost now? Why didn't Anakin just come back Not and go Yes, you necessarily at the end of Return of the Jedi. He was a force ghost. Force ghost doesn't He's force ghost. Special edition Anakin, yeah. I yes. Guess. Yeah. Why would I mean he... he's got like Qui-Gon levels of force ghostness? I don't know what the Force Ghost power system is. I just know that at some point Anakin was one. I just don't know why Anakin wouldn't have come back and said, "Hey, Kylo, get over yourself, Sith bad." I wonder how long Force Ghosts actually can be uh, around for. Oh uh, well, it can. Well, all I can tell you is that in Last Jedi, there's Force Yoda, so at least thirty years. <laughs> It can last at least 30 years in Star Wars canon if you're a Yoda Jedi Master. Huh? Yoda wasn't dead for 30 years by then. Uh, yes. In the new what? movie, Last oh. Jedi, the one that came out like two years ago, episode Got you. eight, Got you. he came back as a Force ghost. And he was Puppet Yoda. So it's the legit... Yeah, so it's legit Yoda. So real Yoda, and and it's supposed to take place like thirty years after the original trilogy, the new one. So we know that Force Ghost can last thirty years, and so yeah, Anakin died in the same movie, and came back as a Force Ghost. So technically, yeah, he could be a Force Ghost. Thirty years after the fact, I don't know if Qui Gon could. Because it'd be a little longer Quite for him. Un- was a Force Ghost. Though. Yeah. Well, no, he was he was Force Ghost, but I don't know if he could come back as a Force Ghost now. I mean, like with probably that was kind of his whole thing. Hmm. Qui Gon loves that thing. I. Why wasn't um, why wasn't Mace Window a Force Ghost? Because he didn't learn how to transcend the living Force that way. I guess so. The only reason Yoda could is because uh, Qui-Gon taught him. Then how could Anakin? How was Anakin able? I don't know. He shouldn't have been. <laughs> the, the quick and easy answer is... Uh, wasn't it Wasn't it only in the special edition that he was a Force ghost in no. Return of Jedi? No, no. What happened in the special no. edition is they replaced the original actor with uh, Hayden Christensen. Christensen. Yeah. Oh, that's what yeah. But no, no, in the original, it was still Force Ghost. It was just the actor who originally played uh, Darth Vader. Yeah, the, the guy who's there when he takes off the hel- the mm-hmm. Vader helmet. It was gotcha. that actor they had as the original Force Ghost. Right. Right, right. But to try and tie everything back together, since Hayden Christensen would be the one most recognizable as that character now, they brought him in. So it kind of ties the original trilogy to the prequel trilogy, too. Got so you. that's that's why they did that. So yeah. um, Anakin shouldn't yeah. have really known how, because yeah, Yoda only knew how because Qui Gon came back as a Force ghost and was like, "Hey, let me teach you this thing." Couldn't I mean? Was it? Some... I don't remember that happening. That was in um, the Clone Wars animated series. Oh, oh in the Clone Wars. It was animated. towards the end okay. of it. Yeah, it was towards really the end really of that, and um, like Yoda's like, I felt this thing, and the Council's like, "You're fucking crazy, Yoda." 
And he's like, no. And he and he takes off in a ship and he follows like the force guiding him and he gets to a planet and Qui-Gon's force ghost is there. And he's like, hey, Yoda. He's like, what? And he's like, so I guided you here because I have to teach you something important. <laughs> oh, that helps explain some things. Yeah, actually, the, the end of that really explains a bunch of things. It's really good. That's why you should watch it. Okay. Um, I, I, again, I had heard that Rebels was really good from, like, Fiddleback. I think he, he really loved that. Yeah, and, Rebels is really good. Yeah, and I that probably explains some things, too. Um, um, yeah, uh, the the actor that got replaced was, is named Sebastian Shaw. Oh, okay. So Darth Vader was originally David Prowse in the suit, James Earl Jones as in the voice, mm. and then when the helmet comes off, it's Sebastian Shaw. Gotcha. So many different actors playing one person. Well, you know, the thing about it is Darth Vader is so is so powerful as a character. Multiple people need to play him at the same time. No one person can control his power. No, no one person can control the power of the dark side like that. Uh, Okay, so maybe so Anakin probably just shouldn't have been able to do that. (laughs) They just wanted to put it there to kind of encapsulate it. Maybe that's why they didn't bring him back. I just mm. think it would have been a good conversation for like him to sit down with his grandson and be like, okay, listen, this First Order thing you got going on, I, I got to tell you, I've been down that road. I know where you're coming from. It does not work out the way you want it to. <laughs> this is going to be bad. <laughs> Don't do it. Listen, but... kid, you got to lose. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the Han Solo. That's not how the Force works. See that's that's not how any of this works. <laughs> that that's that's gonna be if if you haven't seen Force Awakens, there is that there is that one brilliant scene that where um where Han Solo and, and Chewie are like trying to lead Finn, who's who's one of the new characters through through this battlefield, and Finn's kind of like going, um, I could I could I know I know what we could do. We could we could use the Force. How and he's like, yeah, I can think, of, I can think of like force things and make, make. He he has like no force powers. <laughs> oh right, yeah. yeah. And then and, and Han Solo just looks at him and kind of goes, "That's not how the force works." In, like, <laughs> in that gruff Harrison Ford, <laughs> grouchy Harrison Ford voice you used to. Mm-hmm. It's the best it's, line. It's a great Han Solo line because going from someone who didn't believe in the force yeah. to now. Having some understanding of how it works and being able to tell someone else that yeah. that's not or Yeah, where he where it's like he knows that the force is real and he can kinda of go, You get a damn idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, he uh he evolved a lot over the course of the movie series. <laughs> he went from being a scruffy nerf herder to being like a commander a general. Right. To being like the leader of the resistance. And um, and and then you know raising a very troubled child, um, <clears throat> but you know he'll turn it around. No, actually, yeah, I don't. Turn it around. I, I I I actually don't know if Kylo's gonna <laughs> turn it around for Episode Nine. Oh, I, I meant Harrison Ford does. But yeah. Oh yeah, no He's Harrison dead. Ford in canon. So yeah, absolutely, but. No, I don't know if Kylo turns it around for episode nine. No idea. I don't know. I mean, 
it's a uh, you know Anakin like goes from the light side to the dark side in the prequels, and then goes from the dark side to the light side in the in the original trilogy. It's a whole redemption arc going on from from one to six. Yeah, yeah, and now now that they have Kylo, I don't know if that's supposed to be like another redemption or to show. I I have a theory that it's probably gonna be like um. Kylo's going to show what happens when you can't embrace the balance of the Force, and Rey's going to be the example of how how it's, you can succeed at embracing the balance of the Force. Because it seems, it, it seems to be what they want to do is set up this idea from, like, the first one, it's about the power of the dark side, and then, like, the original trilogy is kind of like the power of the light side. And now in the new one, it seems to be kind of the idea that there has to be some kind of balance between the two for there to be any kind of semblance of sense in the universe. So if you're looking at those two characters, one of them does not seem like he can possibly understand how the balance works or how he could balance the light side and dark side. And then the other one, she seems to understand that um, it's all sort of fluid and can seemingly move between them pretty easily and probably end up being lessons on, on how that has to be moving forward. Or maybe Porg saved the day. I don't know. It's all... <laughs> It, it's all porgs. I mean, <laughs> you know, if it turns out that the porgs literally saved the movie, I'm not gonna hate it. <laughs> no, they're gonna be um, the Ewoks. The Ewoks and the porgs and the Jawas all team up, and they take they take out the First Order. And there's bring... probably like a porg king. Oh and... my god! How about a porg cannon? A porg shoot porgs cannon? at him. That would be that would be adorable and sad. Um, that that's in the anime version. That's in the anime oh, that's version. That's true. It's yeah. in the D and D version. There should be porgs in D and D. Yeah, you could you could make one of like your your peasant railguns. Exactly. You make a porg cannon. But you make a porg cannon. That would be great. There's some there's some rule in D and D you could probably exploit to make that op. Yeah, it's it's all sorts of things. Yeah, you just need to you hand a por you hand a porg to the next person next to you. They hand it next to the next person next to them. You peasant railgun the porgs. Yeah, yeah. Six seconds. You just everybody takes an action in that same six seconds. Six seconds to go uh, a thousand feet in six seconds, and yeah. you just it's like that. I I shared a video on on Facebook from Smarter Every Day. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, I think, what happens when you shoot a uh, golf ball at 500 miles per hour? Um, I, I can yeah. only imagine. It's really good. If you if you have not watched the YouTube channel Smarter Every Day, mm. if you like engineering at all, you'll love it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really good. Mm -hmm. They made a, a vacuum cannon. They shot golf balls out at 500 miles per hour. Nice. Nice. And they, oh, wow. They filmed it in slow mo, like a hundred thousand frames per second. Oh wow! It's it's a really good video. Um, I watched it, and then there's another one where they did a rocket powered um, uh, golf dr a driver. Oh. Um, that he did a collab on the video with Mark Rober. I know him. Um. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So they did the collab. So one's on Smarter Every Day, and the other one's on uh, Rover's channel. Rover's channel. Yeah. And uh, oh god, Destin is great though. Smarter Every Day is one of my favorite uh, science e mm-hmm. engineering channels on YouTube mm-hmm. because he does some interesting stuff. Yeah. yeah like yeah. Uh, this the the science of how dominoes work. Mm. It's like it sounds boring, but then you realize it's really really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I um, I think I've I've seen maybe one or two. I have seen several of Robers though. Yeah, he is, uh only does twelve videos a year. Yeah, so. but then but they're re- they get really big. Yeah, okay. yeah. This one. Uh, which one? Do 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 do. Yeah, that one is a fantastic video. Mm-hmm. Um, the end of it, they end with uh, shooting a watermelon with a golf ball at 500 miles per hour. <laughs> um, um, have you you seen what happens when you shoot a watermelon with a gun, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I've seen. That yeah, one. golf balls are yeah. a little bit bigger than bullets. Just throwing that out there. Maybe. Depends so, on what uh, golf ball the, the explosion is way more. Yeah. Yeah. It, that there was no watermelon left. <laughs> <laughs> the watermelon disintegrated. It it kaboomed really good. <laughs> That's a hole in melon. Like one. There was <laughs> a hole. Oh there wow! Was no watermelon yeah. left. I just fast forward to that point. <laughs> oh, no yeah. watermelon. I don't. Left. I don't have the sound on, but wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Ex- you go to about uh, thirteen minutes in or so. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a it's it's a big boom. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, they actually um, it was really fun because he um, they figured out like the stress point on where you can shoot a a, a newer golf ball hmm. to where it's got plastic elastication. I think I forget what it's called. Plastic deformation and. Than elastic deformation, right? And I guess the difference between those two points is pl- uh, elastic deformation. It'll compress and then bounce back and retain its shape. In mm. plastic deformation, it will bounce and then compress, and it will not retain its shape. It'll get deformed mm. um, permanently. Uh, and that point is between three hundred and five hundred miles per hour for new golf balls. Mm. Yeah, 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 huh. yeah. They, they can take quite a beating. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, because I was watching a thing where they were talking about how they uh, changed the chemical composition of golf balls um, so that they have, like, a, a unibody inside of them. They used to they used to have, like, foam cores, and they, they were wrapped They used to around. have rubber, like, rubber bands, yeah. Yeah, they had the rubber bands, and now they, they don't they did, do that. They did shoot a, um, they shot an old one, too, and it exploded. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were talking about how the new ones just go a lot further, which is like, uh, they they were wondering if that's making, like, golf too easy, like if if it gets like if your new golf ball can go, way further than the old ones, you know your golf courses can't necessarily just change their configuration, to accommodate for people hitting their golf balls a lot farther. But then they were talking about, like, some of them, what they started to do is they put the handicap zones further back. So, um, so like, they started to move, like, 100 yards or something back on that 
that course. Because with the new golf balls, they were showing this one particular uh, golf. There's like this big left hook. And so it shouldn't be possible for you to get anywhere near the hole because there's like a tree line right there on the left side. And you shouldn't be able to get to that, uh, that hole easily without at least making a couple hits to get down yeah. the fairway and then, then turn. But with the new golf ball, you can hit it far enough, you can hit over the tree line. To the... I mean, you still have to be good at golf for that. So You do still have to be good at golf, but it also means that you can get there way, way faster than they intended for the course. Because it's still like a par 5 or something. And people were just continuously getting, like, eagles on that. Basically, they became golf with your friends, but, like, good at golf with your friends. With, like, moon gravity and the bouncy ball. <laughs> that so what they yeah. did what they did on that particular one though is they figured out okay but if we move the zones back so that you're starting at like another hundred feet or something back from what your normal starting point is for competition pro play you, you now don't have the distance to really clear that line so it solved that particular problem doesn't I necessarily mean, solve the rest of them but Let, let's be honest though anyone here actually play golf i mean i have played golf a couple times yeah that's that's a no no one here plays golf <laughs> <laughs> i mean we we have all played golf collectively i mean um, i'm in real golf but well what is reality like I mean, I've played real mini golf and fake mini golf, and that's my golf experience. Yes, that's good experience, though. the The real mini golf is delightful. Um, fake mini golf is uh, fun, but so many of the applications I've tried are not great. They're just, they're they're gimmicky. I like the I like the legitimate. <laughs> miniature golf experience when i play a video game yeah. which is golf with your friends was not exactly that, <laughs> that it was, was a salty it was a salty experience <laughs> you know the one that after i had downloaded that they keep recommending i think it's on my wish list so they tell me when it's on sale there's another mini golf game and it was um totally accurate i think it was called totally accurate golfing and what it would allow you to do is you got your golf balls and you could attach rockets to your golf ball. <laughs> that seems legit. And you could send them down freeways and you could play online like that. How do you want to attach it? You, you, there's no golf club. That was like the whole thing. So you, you don't use a golf club. The way that you actually control your ball is you attach these rocket modules onto your golf ball. Where you is want that like it. Kerbal Space Pro Program? Is it Kerbal Golf Game? It should be basically Kerbal Golf Game. Yeah, <laughs> it's essentially that. Um, I was like, oh, that would be fun, but then I'd have to play more golf. And I don't know if I want to do that. My favorite golf game was actually, um, I, I think it was Jack Nicholas Golf, and it was on my uh, original Game Boy and you could, and it was it was the classic one where you like you hit A to start your power meter, 
and then mm-hmm. you hit A again to, when you lock in the power you want, and you see your little pixelated golfer just hit the ball, and you watch it travel <laughs> down the freeway and land somewhere on the course. And that was the best golf game ever. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was original Game Boy. That was that was red and blue Pokemon that was the era. Brick. That was that was original Tetris era. <laughs> we call those bricks, Nathan. The old that Game was Boys the brick. Like old Nokia phones. <laughs> that was that was a brick. That was like the '80s sat phone, right? It's that kind of the, thing. The tiny screen you probably spent more time on collectively than any other mobile game system you you yeah. have currently. Yeah, it's yeah. still alive <laughs> and kicking. It's because you couldn't save. <laughs> right. <laughs> You, not for every game. There were a few like I Use think a I, password. Um, yeah. Some well, they, sometimes they had the password. They um, what was the one that I played that I couldn't save on? Was it Home Alone? There was a Home Alone game I played. I don't remember if you could save on that Probably. one. Probably. There was another one, the Dinosaurs in New York Park or whatever that cartoon was. They made a game out of that. And I don't think you could save in that. You either had to try and finish the whole thing in one sitting, which it was not a good platformer, so that was near impossible to do. So, I mean, how are you bad at platforming? It's not that I'm bad at platforming. It's that the con- that that the game was not great. It was a it was like a movie tie-in in the '90s, so. You can imagine how that was not good. The '90s was full of uh, full of games. Oh yeah, they made a movie tie-in game for literally everything. I did just mention that there was a Home Alone game, right? Yeah. Where you where you're supposed to be playing Kevin McAllister going through your house and somehow chucking like a stagecoach wagon wheels at random burglars that have entered your house. Just random burglars, not the not the ones from the movie. You, at the end of the game, you had to deal with with uh, the two. Did Nathan just die? Uh oh. I don't know. Can't hear him. Uh oh. New audio device detected. Oh, he's he's having issues. Good job, Nathan. I don't know. Is I'm looking it... at the the, the Twitch stream and it's coming. Well, he was about to spoil the ending of the Home Alone game, and that <laughs> you know can't That's happen. What he gets. So, yep. <laughs> he's cut off. That's it. Yeah. It's there you are. Showing that I'm talking. So, who are you? Uh, and we can hear you, so you must actually be talking. Hold on, hold on. Yes. DC. Let's 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 think this out. We should pretend to not be able to hear him still. What? Where? Who? We should pretend to not play, hear him still. That way he what? just uh, can you oh, right. hear me? Yeah. go through this all again. Can nope, you hear who me? Are you? What? 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 This is. Oh, are you there, Nathan? This is quality <laughs> entertainment right now. <laughs> 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 We've been exactly. talking about, about, uh, that was about weird. Yeah. Unimportant things. Yeah. Like your dating life. <laughs> That's non-existent. There's nothing to talk about. Exactly. That, that was that was that was weird. I was just talking, and then all of a sudden, Discord was like, "No, you don't have a microphone." And I'm like, "I'm like, no, you don't have a microphone to input." Nope, sorry. And I'm going through the list, and it's like my Yeti's not coming up. And they're like, "No, you don't have a microphone." Yeah, <laughs> like, I no. was pretty sure. 
pretty sure it was because you're about to spoil a NES game from, you know, the 90s. Oh, God, did I spoil a NES game from the 90s? <laughs> like, they knew. No, Discord no. shut you up. D you Discord was like, oh, up. no. <laughs> don't, don't spoil the NES game. No, that would be horrible. No, it wasn't even a NES game. It was a Game Boy game. Oh, right. Game Boy, right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, no, we definitely don't want me to spoil that. It it works out well for Kevin. That's all you need yeah. to know. <laughs> Jeez. You know, you you start talking about it again, you're gonna just find your microphone ain't working again. <laughs> That's okay. I'm I I'm not big on being a spoilery person. Um I like right now I'm in I'm in deep dodging spoiler mode for Endgame because I thought I would probably be able to go see it tomorrow, and now mm -hmm. I'm realizing that, um, yeah, like, all the tickets for theaters in our area are already sold out, basically, for tomorrow. The, what, wow. the, one, tic uh, the one theater in your area? <laughs> Not, no, actually, we were going to try to go over to Sako to the IMAX, to the Cinemagic. Oh. That is also, they only have a 3D showing at, like, 6, uh, but the, even the regular 2D showings that they're doing in the afternoon, like, unless you want to sit at the very first row in the nosebleed seat. No one seat, wants to sit that close to see uh, Jason Brolin's face. Yeah. Josh Brolin? <laughs> Josh Brolin. Josh, Sorry, yeah. Good. Jason Voorhees. Well, he's, it's not really even Josh, it's, it's uh, Thanos. So it's 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 purple dude. No one needs to be that close to see purple dude. They just want to see what happens when Ant Man flies up his ass. That would be awesome. Uh, no, there's there's that, and then we we were like, well, maybe we'll just go to the theater that's up up in our area. But like when we, well, possibly. But I'm not holding out much hope for that because when I looked at Conway, it's like, oh no, we're all sold out for tomorrow. For all the showings. <laughs> like, all the showings. So it's like, okay, I guess next week... Okay, we'll try to get tickets on Thursday for the weekend, and hopefully we'll be able to go. So now I gotta dodge spoilers for another week here. I mean, where are you going that you're getting spoilers? Online? <laughs> I have you to... We need to go better places online, Nathan. Well, I don't really know how I, like, do stuff online if I don't occasionally check, like, a Twitter and a Facebook, you know? I mean, anyone that you're following that is posting spoilers needs to be unfollowed, just, just saying. Well, I do have a thing where, like, I, um, I, I suppressed the uh, hashtag for Avengers, so I don't see any tweets that have it. <laughs> so hopefully that helps, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I figure all of a sudden I'm just going to look at my thread and they're going to be like, did you know what Howard the Duck did in the new Marvel film? <laughs> and I'll be like, aw, oh, damn it. <laughs> I was looking forward to the Howard the Duck moment. Damn. <laughs> I feel so used. And more and more, like, I go on the YouTube and they're like, oh, here's some endgame theories. And it's like, I can't watch any of you yet. I can't. I watched the uh, the game theorist and the because science stuff that was. Uh... Yeah, where they uh, where they asked the question if uh, if Ant Man could actually. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, no, the answer is no. It. Apparently not. No. And the that, answer uh, is no. It wouldn't work. Yeah, the answer is uh, no. It wouldn't work, and probably also, 
even though they're not going to say it is, uh, please stop asking us. <laughs> no, I think Kyle Hill on Because Science actually said, you made me do this. He's <laughs> like, this is your fault. <laughs> that sounds like a Kyle Hill thing. Why did you do this, you terrible people? <laughs> I'm just like a physicist with pens and markers in my hand. Stop asking me these questions. He's, he's an engineer. He's not a physicist. He's an engineer. I don't know. I, I, Sheldon Cooper would have my head for saying that. Sorry, yeah, no, engineers are not the same thing. <laughs> mm. But uh, he talks a lot about physics, though. Um. Yes and no. He talks about a lot about sciencey stuff. And engineering and science go hand in hand, too. Uh, yeah. I liked Matt Pat did it, too, and that was great. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought it was funny where he's kind of like going, okay. I know what you're saying, because <laughs> like when we had, we had been working on this and like Kyle just put out a thing <laughs> and we were mm -hmm. like, oh, no, but I swear we did do this a different way than Kyle did. And Kyle did a good, good, good video. You should watch it. And it's like, yeah, no, Kyle's Kyle's done a good job since he started that channel because science is very interesting. Yeah, no, um. Because science is really fun. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's very he he's he actually is very concise. Like he can he can make yes. very very good. He he can make very comprehensive science in a very short amount of time. Um, yes. Yeah. No, I I, I do enjoy that. Um, but no, I started to see all of like the a lot of the movie reviewers and people that I follow are are doing spoiler talks for Endgame now and. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, I, I saw some that I thought sounded fun, like Super Carlin Brothers was doing an endgame thing. And, um, I just found that a little while ago, and I was like, oh, some of these are really good. This is kind of like in the vein of, like, game theory. But he does, they do, they do a lot of different things, too. Um, interesting videos. And I'm sure that they have an interesting breakdown, but, uh... I don't. I can't watch any of them because I don't really want to know. I don't want to know what happens yet. I want to see it when I go to the theater. But Nathan's. Oh, Nathan. Oh, no, Nathan Nath there? Nathan's uh, probably still here. It's just that my connection's being weird. But let me just check on something real quick here. No, okay. Bloop. There we go. Okay, as long as you can still hear me, that's all that matters. Yeah. I can. No, yeah. you were all robotic for a second. Oh, that's weird. I, <laughs> that, I, don't, I don't need anybody knowing that I am actually Nathan Bot. <laughs> <laughs> that was a real thing. I didn't want to freak anybody out. Um, yeah... I, I, I'm trying desperately to avoid, uh, spoilers, but I heard it was good, and I will be looking forward to seeing it when I, t when I finally get to, and hopefully it's not a month later like it was with Force Awakens, so oh, that, wow. so that I could get, like, so that I could avoid having anybody spoil it for me until literally the morning I was going to see the film. <laughs> I, oh. I was like, I was sitting there and I ended up like, I, I was trying to catch up on some things and I was, I, I ended up watching at midnight 
and they they were talking mm-hmm. about something on at midnight where they're where somebody wrote on the back of a car han solo dies at force awakens oh. <laughs> and i'm like i <laughs> i was like god damn it <laughs> I was, i'm just going to see it today i tried going twice and they were sold out <laughs> i can't go for it we like we waited like three weeks. We were like, okay, so now we'll go. We get there and it's three weeks later, and there's still a line out the door to see wow. this movie, and we're like, what? And they're like, apparently they've already sold out of tickets. And I'm like, how is that possible? Okay, fine. So we're gonna go the next week, and like, like the next week we end up going. It's like, uh, nope, sorry not happening on the weekend so then it's like okay you know what we're going online and we're buying the tickets ahead of time and we're going during the week and then we're going to go see it and then so so uh, ultimately then we were able to actually see the movie if you go on a weekday for the matinee showing f- about 6 weeks after a movie releases chances are you will be That's able to see that go yeah yeah well, good. That you know what for Endgame that may be a requirement. <laughs> I don't ever go the opening weekend of a movie. Well, I don't. I, I don't insane. either. It's just it's not something that I want. Well, I mean, you're gonna do it for Detective Pikachu, obviously. Probably not. <laughs> you don't want to see Detective Pikachu. Not the day it comes out. Oh, no. I mean, I'm not gonna go see it the day it comes out, but I mean. I do feel slightly obligated to see it at some point. Obligated to go watch Ryan Reynolds' Pikachu? Uh, well, I mean, that was my fantasy from day one, <laughs> to hear <laughs> Ryan Reynolds' Pikachu. I, I have heard good things. Early reviews were very encouraging. I mean, it can't be, it can't be worse. Everyone hated what happened in the trailer. So, yeah, that's amazing. Like, yeah, here's all this months and months of work that we put into Sonic. None of you like it. Well, now we're gonna put in more time to <laughs> try to make it look what they think might be better. And yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it now. I heard some comments, and I'm like, I can't argue with it. Uh, I don't I don't. No amount of changing the character design is probably gonna make the movie better. <laughs> Because <laughs> it didn't look very promising. <laughs> they you can't change the story, or the the general premise, or what? Why gangsters paradise? I don't know. There's just a lot of problems <laughs> with it. Conceptually, why not gangsters paradise? I. It's just really weird. Like, they used it for Dangerous Minds, and now they're using it for Detective Pikachu. <laughs> or they're using you're it for Sonic. you most of your life living in a, ba- in a gangster's paradise. Sonic is living in a gangster's paradise. He's living in a Uncanny Valley. <laughs> he's in... No, he's, he's living in the Hedgehog's version of the Uncanny Valley. <laughs> Human teeth! For you saw Sonic. them I sent you, right? Yeah, and... <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, that's probably the I redesign. Mean, it, it's in the multimedia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Channel. Let, let me let me. I just... don't know if you saw that DC. 
I'm gonna pop on over uh, yeah, so see. that people can see that <clears throat> lovely image that uh, it was, Alex it was sent. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was part of a thread. If you opened up the link, the first thing the guy tweeted was um, a rewording of Apple Bottom Jeans. Oh God! And it's a uh, Sonic got them Apple Bottom teeth, boots with the teeth, got the whole club looking at teeth. He hit the teeth, hit the teeth. Next thing, new teeth. Sonic got teeth, 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 teeth. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, and my response was i hate this so much that i have to share it you're a fucking monster <laughs> yeah because the eyes and the nose are all teeth yeah it's just teeth all over the place <sighs> i i know they they when you finally see sonic you're like i what 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 were you thinking part of me though wonders part of me wonders they weren't if yeah no they weren't wondering but part of me keeps thinking because i'm like some some marketing geniuses are like this they're like we need to make it look human-esque and they're no and they're like yeah, no. this is great I, how did nobody on that team before that realize that this is here's sitting right in that bottom death uncanny valley here's here's here is a theory i have it's just hey. a theory a film theory this is the, this is this is a theory <laughs> I have, well, but it is. It's a legitimate theory. You know how sometimes movie studios will change things in the trailer to try and drum up hype. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I wonder. Well, yeah, they they have. Like, if you look at some of the Marvel uh, films, like if they if you look at their trailers, like the one for Infinity War. Um, the the Hulk is running next to the rest of the Avengers in the field outside of Wakanda in the trailer. Yeah, that that's not in the film. He's in the Hulkbuster armor. That that's that's mm-hmm. not a thing. Um, and I I keep saying like when people are theorizing about like um, the new Spider-Man movie and they see Pepper Potts' signature on the check, it's like, oh well, that must mean that like this happens in Endgame and then this is gonna happen. And I'm like, or. They thought you would think that, and they decided not to put Tony's name on it. They put Pepper's name on it because they wanted to tell you something specifically and make you talk about it. What if, this is just a what-if scenario, what if the makers of Sonic realized how horrible that image, (laughs) that early footage of Sonic would have gone over? (laughs) And they were like, wait, if we release that, it's viral marketing. People are going to be talking about this. And then we already have the redesign that we've already shot for Sonic. And they're going to think that this is brilliant that they got us to change the movie. I mean, that would be a good marketing ploy. Yes. Potentially. Mm. I mean, ima- imagine imagine if you were making a movie and you were like, oh, this movie's going to be pretty sweet. <gasps> what if we released a trailer that looked terrible? <laughs> it, got, it, would get, <laughs> it would get people so jazzed up. Like, they would get... this Because th- honestly, you know, if the Sonic trailer came out and it looked halfway decent, probably not a lot of people would even be talking about it. They'd be like, all right, that's fine. But no, the fact that it looked just so bad was the thing that got everybody's attention. And then memes start happening and everybody's sharing it. 
They got so much more press out of a bad trailer than they ever would with a good one. So, my thinking is, maybe that was intentional. Doubtful. Yeah. Think about it. Like, when is that movie supposed to release? Like, uh, not until late in the year, I don't think. Maybe? I don't know. If it's... Because uh, I'm thinking, if they have to go back over and they have to... Like, the main character has to get completely See, reworked. It's all CGI, though, isn't it? It is all CGI. Wait, let me, let me look up Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, November 8th is when it's supposed to come out. <clears throat> mm. So, depending... I don't know a whole lot about CGI, but couldn't they just redo the character and then insert that into all the scenes, like, replace uh, the character model? So that they... Mm, that could be hard, depending how they did it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you can do that, but if you could just, like... In the programming, replace the character model with the new character model. Possibly. Really I mean, I mean, it, that also depends if they did any kind of like mocap work um, for what Ben Schwartz played the played the Sonic. Um, they had a character doing motion capture. I mean, I, d I don't know. Ben I Schwartz. I feel like they can just Sonic. change it in the. Um, I feel like they can change it in the. Possibly. The the post. Like, I know. To recapture it all. Can they have? Can they have Jim Carrey come back and reshoot shoot all the CGI scenes? <laughs> that would no. be good too. But um, yeah, I don't know uh, what kind of process that is gonna take. But um, but I'm already seeing stuff where like they're looking at what the redesigns might be. Um, but the, but from what I can tell, it's mostly just make the eyes bigger, <laughs> make the mouth less human, make the mouth not suck, make make him not look like you know a toddler just got dressed up in a fuzzy costume he found lying around on the street. He can be the uh, the new character that you can date in Lovers of Ether. Yeah. He could be the new character for Lovers of Ether. You know, I was actually <laughs> I was actually after I, I had played that, I looked up the um the character like things that they have for rivals of Ether because I was like, okay, what are these characters in the actual game? And one of the special characters you could play in that is Shuffle Knight. I thought you were gonna say Clarence. Oh yeah. Clarence? No. Yams. No. Clarence is but here's here's the thing that is way funnier if you don't know the story because in the actual official character trailer for Claren, you find out that she is actually a time traveler from the future that was stopping Emperor Loxodont oh, and came back. So that was like all canon that I just didn't know because I hadn't played that game. Oh wow! So that's actually just stuff from the game. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I start. That means the the polar bear is actually an undercover cop. <laughs> don't I don't I don't <laughs> think so. I think that was a legitimate like uh, thing because I, I don't think that comes up in his backstory. But um, but there were a couple special cameo characters that that they had in the original rivals. But I guess the idea was that they all are supposed to. I started to realize though that um, what's her name, Eliana. If you actually look at, like, Eliana's official backstory for that franchise, wow, she's got, like, a dark backstory, man. She's, like, um, she was a snake who wanted to fly. 
And so she decided that she was going to try to join the Air Armada. And no matter how many times she tried, she she kept failing and failing and failing. To Is it because her feet can't reach the pedals? It's because she's a snake. And so she she kept getting into the plane, but she she doesn't have limbs or anything to control it. But then, after she fails a ton of times, she actually succeeded. But the Air Armada was like... No, you still can't join because you're a snake. Did you think a snake could join the Air Armada? No, it's not happening. So she, like, goes and finds this engineer, Bunny, who's able to, like, make her uh, this, this like, cool, super high-tech robotic, like, jet propulsion thing. And so she can finally, f she can finally be a snake that flies. But she decides that now that she's done that, she's not joining the Air Armada. She wants to destroy it and everybody inside of it. legit. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, so this is why during the game she's constantly shouting down with Emperor Maple. <laughs> and she's, she's constantly the... The the uh, the one trying to cause a revolution to happen because she wanted to burn everything to the ground. She got like super dark at the end of her story arc. So that kind of explains where she's coming from. But yeah, no, Claren is is supposed to be from the future, and um, and then the, a lot of the other ones are supposed to be, um, they're they're supposed to be uh, reminiscent of elements. They're supposed to be, uh, you know, so, like, what's his name? Uh, Atalus is supposed to be, like, the one for ice, and um, uh, Raster is supposed to be the one for air, and uh, obviously Crag is, is for Earth. That's why he has all the rocks. And uh, Maple is the, the Sylvan protector, so that's why she's a raccoon. So, yeah, they're all supposed to have these very specific backstories, and I was like, oh. What about the goat? Okay. Oh yeah, what the Absa is supposed to be um eating more bushes? Yes. She eats all the bushes all <laughs> the time. Um uh I can I can tell you right now. But she's no, it had something to do with the fact that she is a goat. She was okay. She left the Air Alliance. Uh, and let's see here. She has a fast aerial speed. Oh, she was the she was the defender of the mountains. That's what it was. Developed a defense to protect the mountains from war. Is protect what she, the, the protects the uh, protects the bushes. The bushes from other goats by eating them. Yes, <laughs> it's just enjoyed eating it so much. Now I need to know if if uh, if I look up if I look up uh, Italis, uh, his nickname. Uh, okay. I like that we're doing this right now. That 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 <laughs> I need to that I need to actually dig into the lore of the. I wonder of, where everyone else is. No one else is joining us. No one else is joining us. You know why? Because it's Star Wars Day, and they're on a Kessel Run. <laughs> I, I, I did ask if anyone was going to be happy going on for a Kessel run, and you know what? I guess they are. They're enjoying the hell out of that. Uh, let's see here. Technique, gameplay. Italis can create ice on the ground. It uses down. Right, right, right. 
Because I guess Rivals of Ether is kind of similar to um, uh, Smash Brothers, like in terms of what it it, it actually plays like. Uh, oh, wall jump cancel. Yep, that's the secret move I you like learn. Wall jump cancel. Yeah. Cancel the wall jumps. I cancel all the wall jumps. Is a heavy control? Yeah, they don't they don't like dig into his. The the thing. I was interested in, though, is that he does have, like, a metal jaw in the fighting game. He doesn't have a metal jaw in the... in, in the Lovers of, of Aether. Um... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think he's an undercover cop. That's the only thing I can he pretty much tell. metal jaw and he's not an undercover cop? Apparently, those were things that were made up for the that particular game, which unfortunate, you should always be on their cover cop trying to score drugs for Sylvanos. <laughs> or Kane was like the uh, <laughs> was was I I started to realize it makes so much more sense. Like when they're talking about how he like creates swirls and teleports and stuff. Yeah, those are like his powers in the game. He has the powers of water, and so he can like transport himself around. Teleportation is stage. water now. A bit, well, because oh, he can, like, create pools water. of water, and then he can, like, go through the pools of water and stuff like that. So, that's good. And I'll tell you, that character should have been in Star Wars. By the way, everybody, it's Star Wars Day, in case you weren't aware. It's Didn't before. we already go over that earlier? Well, yeah, but I For thought I would the, bring it back. all the people that are apparently listening? Yeah, there's all the people I mean, that are listening. I mean, there's one, two, three, four, five, six. There's, like, six people aside from me and DC in the... In the uh, oh really? Stream, but oh, you know, that's neat. I don't know yeah. if anyone's actually there. Hello, everyone in the in the uh, stream chat that's not talking, which is fine. We, yeah, I don't know who you are. It's fine. Tell us why you're here. Unless you're a bot, then just pretend. If you're a talk. bot, we also welcome our bot overlords because they're great attention audience members. Their retention <laughs> rates are great. <laughs> They, that is true. That is true. It is. It's, Don't it's forget terrific. to unsubscribe and dislike. <laughs> <laughs> That's like going to be my new thing for every like like vlog video that I do from now on. <laughs> is that's just coming up. I do find it ironic that in that particular video, um, I have absolutely no dislikes and. <laughs> you have twenty two likes. On yeah. I do. I looked earlier. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it's doing pretty good, doing pretty good, um, and uh, and and we like picked up subscribers from it, so no one unsubscribed, so yeah, something. but no one's watching your other videos either, so I mean, it's moot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't carry over to the rest of the uh, the catalog. Maybe if I just made more of those videos, I just make uh, every week. I'll just make another video about Delph Prime. <laughs> Here you go, folks. <laughs> Enjoy. I can't, I, yeah, that's, we have to come up with a new service after Delve Prime, that's the problem. I have to come up with a streaming Delve service. Prime, we already have Delve Prime Elite. We have Delve Prime um, Elite, yeah, that's the live service, that's the live service. You could have Delve, you could have Delve Prime. How about Delve Flix? Titan Edition. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Is that just I... new, uh, stories or Dell vines. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that's all I want. Is just it's Dell flicks, and you just go there and you. We have a whole thing that we do there. You could do Dell talk. It's a new TikTok type Dell. Oh, that's what we should do. We should get a new media app. 
that's the next thing. We get a media app or uh, our own Bolt. automobiles. So yeah, Delve car or Delve auto. <gasps> that's pretty good. Oh, we could have an we could have an insurance company for gaming. Oh, gaming insurance. <laughs> Like, people can afford insurance as is, Nathan. Well, you know what we do is we insure your PCs for your games. We provide, we provide, in, we provide life insurance for your player characters. So that if they were to die, we, we are able to save their data. And if not, they can get, um, you know, imaginary compensation in the game. This is a service I think a lot of people would really like to have. <laughs> like, like we could do a facilitation and... thing where, like, if, if you've paid uh, into this thing, any of your remains and belongings can be given to the rest of your family so they can continue the quest for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's your way of saving your data in a game. And if so, uh, so uh, if the problem with that is drunk Paul dies so much in Dark Souls that we'd be broke. <laughs> <laughs> he he pays I mean, get, like half fair, of what he made every time though. So I mean, I mean to be fair, I'm I'm really bad at Dark Souls. So <laughs> yeah, no. Well, did you didn't see my attempting to play on Dark Souls? But I can tell you, it did not work well. <laughs> I I did not do good. And I can tell you that the people who leave you messages in that game are dicks. I don't like them. <laughs> they are, they are jerks. I actually made it so that I, I played um without the uh, ability for people to do that. Oh yeah, where the, you can't all the network connectivity stuff. So you don't see all the messages on the ground. Yep. That's probably for the best because literally there are times where they're like, "Try jumping." Um, okay. Jump, they hit you, I die, damn. The thing that got me, the, <laughs> the thing that I, I just, I, I put it at the end of the video too, because I was like, this is the point where I was like, yep, I don't want to do this. I get to this, I get to this outcropping, and it's just, it's just over nothing. Like there's just, it, it's just like an open space, and it's just a ravine below me, and I'm like, boy, I don't even know why this is here. There's a little message on the ground, and it's like, hey, uh, yeah, just just jump straight out. Um, okay, like maybe there's an invisible platform I can't see, which is why this stupid thing is here. And so I did. And I fell. Okay. And I died. And I realized people suck. <laughs> like... Like, why did you tell me that I just defeated, like, this really nasty critter that was just coming at me, and I get sent back to my starting spot. And, and you got punked to die. I got punked, and I started to realize that none of those things seemed to really work very well. I did defeat that, um, minotaur thing, because I was... I, I just, I watched a video where they were like, okay, these are easy ways to deal with the bosses in Dark Souls. I don't know which, which Minotaur you're talking about. Is it like... It's the one that's like up on the ramparts of the castle. 
Like you go up to oh, the ramparts okay, of the castle. Yeah. And there's Drunk like the... Paul actually helped you with that. Yeah, yeah. It, you you got to climb the ladder and then do like a smackdown thing on his head. No, he told me that if you buy the thing from the merchant, the lightning stone or whatever, you can use that, and it really hurts the fuck out of him. Oh, see, the one I what I did is they they said here's here's a, an easier way to deal with that. If you go and there's there's this ladder that goes up to uh, one of the top rafters, and what you're able to do is if he's coming at you, you climb up the ladder so that you're on on there, and then when he's like below the tower, you just like jump off and do a downward strike like a power strike, and you smack him on the head, and it takes off like a third of his life. And so yeah, if you just do that with the other thing. Maybe you can get him one hit. <laughs> um. Yeah, so you, so so literally, I just did that a few times, and the only problem is if you wait too long, he will just climb up there with you, and now yeah, he's. Yeah, I, uh, I ended up. I think I ended up grinding a shit ton in the undead burg there. Oh, I don't um, think I even got to that point. It's it's before the the minotaur, so you did. Oh, maybe the undead burg. Maybe it's don't. on it's on the ramparts with the skeletons and all those things. Oh like, yeah, there's all there's just a ton of different skeletons around. Yeah, I, I know yeah, that part. I, uh, I may have just ground a lot. Just there. over and over and over. Yeah, it's just that that just gets boring. Yeah, I did say it wasn't very good. So I <laughs> right. just was like, I'm gonna grind until I can have some soul levels. So that I can have up. some soul. So I so I can have some levels and have some stats that help. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's definitely true. I did get some better armor, although I did kind of screw myself up because I decided to take the um, what was it, the 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 um, God, what's it called, the decrepit path or whatever. It's the one where literally you just start with no armor and a board and a club. Oh jeez. I decided like, yeah, let me do that. Like I have no armor whatsoever on. And I just have, like, a plank on one <laughs> hand and just, like, this little clubby thing. That was the path I chose. That was the legitimate path you could take. And um, and I was like, yeah, sure, if I'm going in for a penny, in for a pound, let's do it. And um, the problem was that that first demon that you come across in Dark Souls, I didn't know you can't defeat it. Like, I thought maybe... The game is just this hard, where I have now just a giant demon thing, and I have to figure out how to defeat it. I didn't know you're supposed to run away from it first. <laughs> That's the first thing I did. I was like, nope, run, go away. Yeah, no, I, the first time I was like, okay, I guess I'll just try to get around it and smack it from the side, and then I died, and I'm like... I don't know what to do, and, like, it was after a, a second, like, I was like, oh, wait, there are some barrels, and I think there's, like, a passageway beyond that. Maybe I'll yeah, take that. Yeah, there's a, there's a thing on the floor, and it says run. <laughs> yeah, there's a thing on the floor, and it says run. Yeah, there, there was a thing in there, and it <laughs> says run. Yeah. I, I or did escape. <laughs> yeah. Of course, it's not really any more reassuring when they bring you back to that, like, ten minutes later... <laughs> but you have weapons then. You have stuff, and you yeah. can kill it. Yeah, you have you can, like, something. You can jump down on it and slam your sword into its skull and do a yeah. ton of damage. Yeah, I mean that's helpful, but 
but there was just a lot of stuff that I didn't um, do in Dark Souls. The, I think the part that I literally just, like, gave up on completely was there's that, like, forest thing, the underground forest area thing where that you go to. And, um, and I was okay. down... There's the, the bush... Those bush creatures that look like bushes, but then they come up and they have claws and they swipe at you a lot. I don't think I went that direction. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, there's that. And, and, and for the most part, like, one-on-one, -on -one, a lot of this is easy to deal with, right? Yeah, one-on-one -on -one things are easy, but once you get a mob of things, you're like, oh. Well, the problem was I ended up in a mob by accident. Like, I got down, like, I got down deeper and deeper into this thing. Um, because there was this one, there was this one jerky, jerky demon thing, and I could not defeat it. So I eventually decided, you know what, screw you, I'm running past you to the hallway down below. And I did that. And I got into this underground forest area. So then I'm in this underground forest area, and I'm like, oh, wow, well, that was really hard. But then I realized, oh, no, it's, a lot of these aren't that bad. Like, you have those, the, the, these bush creatures... But usually I can tell that they're ahead, like they're, they're not that well disguised, so I can kind of get the jump on them. They're these tadpole things, but even when there's a bunch of them, you can usually smash those pretty easy. And then there are these giant golem things that rise out of the ground, but their attack is so slow that you can literally defeat them before they get off an attack. So, Which is always good. Yeah, that's always good. They're just so slow you can defeat them before they actually... Like, they, they take, like, a whole minute to practically wind up an attack. So you have plenty of time to just smack them to, to bits. And but, to dodge the attack. Right. But now here's where I, I found a problem. <clears throat> I, 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 I was down there, and I was, like, near the cliffs and everything. Come back, and I'm in, like, one of the main areas. And I see... What looks like it's the statue in the ground that's going to raise up. And I'm like, okay, so there's two of them. I see that there's one and one. So, okay, I'm going to attack from this angle, go to that one so that the other one doesn't activate, and then I'll be able to take them on one at a time. Problem mm -hmm. is, when I go up to the first one, some of those bush monsters jump out at me. So now I got these two bush monsters, and, and I've got the giant statue... And, and they're all attacking me now, and I have to run, and when I run, the other statue activates, and another bush monster activates. So now I got, like, two statues and three of these bush creatures after me at the same time. <laughs> now I'm like, oh god, what am I going to do? And I start running, I'm realizing I can't defend against all of them at the same time, and I die. Well, I go back to the starting point, I, I go back to, to my... my um, whatever, the campfire. And I'm like, okay, well, this isn't so bad. Because all I got to do is I just got to run down the stairs. And if I run down two flights of stairs, I'm where I was before. That's all I got to do. And there's, like, no monsters in my way. However, there is a problem with that. On the way down from the first set of stairs, there was this... Uh, there, there was this alcove off to the side. And I knew that there was an alcove off to the side. And I knew that there were these three bush monsters over there. But I was like, I'm just not going to go in there. Right? I'm just not mm. going in there at all. And because I had to go into that area for them to actually jump up and try to attack me. So I'm just not going to go in there. 
I go by that. I just go by it. They come out of the alcove and attack me from the side. <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, you don't do that. You already, we already established what you do. So they, they ambush me and they kill me. So now all the souls that I had built up down below are all gone. <laughs> Rip. And I'm like, okay, so you, this game will not even allow me to make a proper plan of action. Because you're just going to screw with things. And I then started having flashbacks to Demon Souls. And I was like, oh, you know what? I know from software, I'm not doing this again. And that was like my time with Dark Souls. That was like when I, I tapped out and I was like, you know what? Screw this game. Screw this. <laughs> screw these games. I don't like these games. And so, can't win and quit. Uh, that's why I kept asking him, like, is Sekiro better? Like, I like the idea that I can resurrect at least once, but then there's the negative consequence to it. I like the idea that I could jump and get up onto buildings and stuff, like I had more maneuverability. But... But Dark Souls is made to be hard. Dark, Dark, Dark Souls is made for a very specific audience, I think. I think I think yeah, if people who like to rage. <laughs> no, I no, actually, you know, I think I think what From Software wanted to make, they wanted to make modern versions of games like um Ghouls and Goblins, you know, like like those sort of games that people really liked that were like like challenging games from the 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 era of the NES or the Genesis. And I think these are far, far more challenging than games from that era. You know, you say that, but if you were to go back and, like, try to play Contra, um, yeah, Contra's not easy. Contra's a hard game. That's, a, that's why they have the Konami code. That's why you have 99 lives for that game. Because those, those games, the thing is, that's really weird is that if you go back and look at how hard games were, They've actually been getting progressively easier over the course of time. One, because they add more uh, save spots. Like, now they do mostly, a lot of games do autosaves because they didn't even want to make it so that you had to redo, like, two or three minutes of gameplay in a lot of cases. They didn't want you to have to rehash that over again. So they tried to do it so that you're saving near constantly. You're getting the autosaves, you're getting the, the manual saves are available um, so, so there's that, and then they also tried to make things more contextual, like, they tried to direct you, and there's a, in fact, if you, did you see the game theory that they just did not too long ago, which was where they talked about rubber banding, and, um... Which is what? Uh, I will try to find it so that, uh, you can reference it, but it was, like, the game theory that they just put out this last week... I probably saw it. Uh, I try to keep up to date on that stuff. Yeah, it wasn't the film theory. It was definitely. Um, I I will uh, I will I will I'm find it for you. Um, oh, the year being babied game theory hard mode is a lie. Uh, yes. Yeah, I watched that. Yes, hard mode is no, a lie. The, I did like that. That was that was a good episode. Yes, which is like Matt Pat's pretty pointed in that episode um yeah no you're just not as good as games as you think you are <laughs> yeah well that's because 
the games make you feel make you feel better than you are because they, they cheat. Yeah, I mean, that's like when you put like Starcrafts, like when you when you have the AI in Starcraft and you have it on one of the harder things. It's not that the AI is better; mm. it's that the AI cheats. Right. Like if you if you if you're familiar, at least older the not star uh not Starcraft two Starcraft one, you could do the map editor and you could figure out the AI settings and basically the AI settings the harder you put it, the more they would be optimized for build patterns, but the more that mm. they would start with. Yeah. So, like, their starting resources and stuff would be way higher than yours. So they started off with a huge advantage. I see. Okay. Or, like, in Command & Conquer, the AI for that, when you did harder difficulties, it didn't necessarily make the AI harder. It made them have more damage and more HP. Right, that's the that's the pretty hard and fast, easy way to do difficulty scaling. But I have seen a lot of them where it will also be that the AI is more robust when they get into harder levels. So yeah, that's like the, a lot of the newer stuff will do that, but yeah. the older stuff didn't really necessarily. Well, the, like especially with stealth games, they started to do it so that like enemies are much better at detecting you, and also they're much better at like reacting and then calling for. Um, backup or raising alarms when you do things. Yeah, they're better at detecting you in many many ways. Um, yeah, well, Bioshock, where that first first shot an enemy takes at you always misses. Yep, yep. And uh, if you look at Assassin's Creed or anything like that, that last health bar is actually valued much higher than the rest of the health bars because that's see that... see. We were talking about something like this before, dealing with uh, tabletop games. Mm. Except the reverse of it, where I, I let my monsters stay alive until their turn. Yeah. 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 It's the opposite of doing that for the player. Well, yeah. the same thing as doing that for the player, but the opposite way around. It's when you, it's when you do the give me, uh, give me God of War setting for God of War. Or you do, you do the, the, the going to hell setting for Doom or whatever. You know, it's it's like no, all of those things are turned off. All of those like things that are made specifically to you know, aid you in progressing and stuff. Those those are just turned off, folks. That's essentially the kind of campaign you run. <laughs> you you make the settings so that it, all of that is turned off. Basically, what you do is you take D and D and you turn it into the give me God of War setting <laughs> for D and D. <laughs> so kill Zeus. You kill Zeus. Yep. Yeah, no, I like I understood your I from a from a philosophical point of view, like from from a logistical point of view, you are right that it would make sense that the monsters still are able to act because you're you're all in the same 6 second term of term of turn of combat but from my perspective um i i think about things in terms of like well i i want my my uh placement in the turn order to actually mean something 
like for strategy reasons. Like if I know that like I'm ahead of this other monster, it gives me an opportunity to try and stop that monster before he has the chance to hit me. And so from a strategic point of view, I'm looking at it from that direction. Yeah. Which, which is why, like, when I ran something, I, I was running it with the basic idea that, yes, when, whenever in the course of this combat we get to the resolution that something has reached zero hit points, it is resolved in that moment. Um, like, theoretically, uh, and I think, I think Dom's been kind of trying to do this at least a little bit, is um, the monsters even have, like, death throws. Technically, the monsters should, like, have death throws if the characters do. But usually they're pretty much just gone if you reach... (laughs) if if you tap out on hit points for them. And, um... But I did notice, like, especially with our NPCs and stuff, you know... They, they still had death throws that we had to, to account for. Um, and I think maybe some of his player characters, like some of his NPCs that he had specifically. But it's hard to know because you, you don't see behind the GM screen. You're not supposed what to. If I, what if I wanted? Uh, I have a special mirror and a camera system set up for you. You enjoy. <laughs> there's, there's a very special place for that, and it is not here. <laughs> you can... You need like a literal you need like a critical role set up for that. You put cameras on all the corners so that you can like make make a nice panorama view or something like that. That would be good. If you had the if you had the resources to do it, it would be fun. But not for your players. I don't think the players so should Nathan, be able to see it. Yes. Nathan, when are we gonna make a campaign setting? A delicate campaign setting. Here's here's the problem. I I have some some ideas for campaign settings. You have some ideas for campaign settings. This is not a chocolate and peanut butter situation. We cannot you got take chocolate in my peanut butter. We, we 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 are not two kinds of people who are able to take the things that are delicious separately and put them together. What we essentially would do is like put salmon and rye bread together. It would not Do what and rye, what and rye, peanut butter sa- and rye? salmon. Like take smoked salmon and and marshmallows. That's what I want. Smoked salmon and marshmallows. <laughs> now see, these things might be fine. Like I really like lobster and I really like ice cream. I don't want to put ice cream on my lobster. Now, as much fun there are there is probably somebody out there who is just like, oh hell, new business idea. I'm telling you right now, don't make that. Don't make that. Well, I mean, Nathan, Nathan, we could totally make a world together. We could probably, we could totally make a campaign setting, but we'd have to set the tone. So we'd have to agree on a tonal setting for it. Yeah, see, that's going to be probably our biggest hurdle. Because you'd be like, I wanted to be silly, and I'd be like, I kind of want to be somewhat serious. Well, but you can still have a silly and serious that mix in different places. Well, here, here's, here is something, though, that I think we could contextually do. Um, a lot of the ideas I have are not necessarily for the setting itself, but for kind of like the, how the campaign actually operates. And so, so it is... campaign setting is different than campaign, but okay. Well, that's what I mean, is that, like, you know, if you consider, 
what's kind of going on, the steez that's going on in that world. Um, it can be kind of considered different than than uh, than the campaign setting. So it is possible that you could take a campaign setting that you want to make and then apply something that I wanted to put on conceptually onto the top of that. Be like a birthday cake, but then somebody puts some sweet ganache over it, and you're like, well, this Funfetti cake's delicious now. It was good before, now it's got frosting. I'm the frosting on your RPG cake. There you go. Rubbage cake. That's right. Well, because I have I have idea like like occasionally I have some some interesting ideas for what I might want to see run as a campaign, but it's not necessarily a lot to do with the setting itself. Um like uh like the the one that I was talking to you about um, which I think I, I even mentioned to DC and a few other people, the idea of having, well, I guess I did have a world that I was building that was the idea of like kind of like past, present, future, fantasy as the past, steampunk as the present, and then like the, the futuristic setting being like science fiction into the future, the, what they're looking at, that, that setting. But I was kind of developing that mostly for the idea of a campaign where you had a group of veteran adventurers that had already gone on their adventure and found out that the demon that they thought they destroyed uh, was actually just biding its time and came back. And they get, like, conscripted back into service 10, 15 years after the fact when they've kind of gone back to their regular lives. Basically, what I wanted to do was make red, but for D&D. Like, I kind of thought that, that it, was, it would be like that. It would be retired and extremely dangerous, but for for like a a, a, a role playing setting, and I liked. I'm not retired, but I am extremely dangerous. Exactly. Well, yeah, and the characters would be like the Bruce Willises and the Helen Mirrens of the world. Good for them. Um, but no, I I just kind of like the idea of not because. The general thing is that usually you see a lot of fledgling adventurers and they go on their first mission so that they can do their big quest. Now, I just like the idea of having a bunch of characters who literally thought they had gone through that and were done with their adventuring days. Getting... <laughs> and going on to their life, like the, the fighter going on and, and running a forge and the cleric going off and having a, a, their priesthood and the wizard going back to their tower and the thief probably going back and, and starting its own like thieves guild and stuff like that. But having them all go on to their lives and they, they, they're perfectly content in like their, their regular ordinary lives doing what they love and then find out, oh, by the way, that giant mission that you were on that you thought you completed, <laughs> turns out you didn't actually complete it. And now some new fledgling adventurers tried to destroy it and they're all dead and you got to go fi figure out how to defeat them, how to defeat this thing. Because uh, it's bad, and he's indoctrinating a bunch of people, and we gotta do something about it. And so they gotta like reluctantly leave the lives, like they're rusty now, and they they haven't really trained very much, and they don't they haven't really seen each other in a real long time. But all right, I guess, yeah, we're doing this again. Sure. It's uh, the Expendables, but returning. Yes. It's kind of like the Expendables, but but with with more dragons. It's the Expendables with dragons. Tell me that that doesn't sound fun. 
Um, I, I had that idea. And then if you had a world to put this in, I did have another concept that I wanted to float by you. So I might as well I mean, do it now. You could, you could put that in almost any world. That's the thing. Yeah, I just I kind of figured that the the reason why I specifically liked it for that where time and technology are definitely factors in this is since the world is changing and these characters have seen that change it's kind of for for them they're seeing parallels between the evolution of the world and their personal evolution. I I just from a narrative point of view I thought it made sense in that in that kind of setting. You know, where you could where you could see I mean, that thing, because I also saw I, I also kind of saw the villains as being very complicated, very complex villains in the fact that what they were when they started is not what they are now. Like one of the characters I was thinking about was this mage, who when he was young he was kind of feared because he was so powerful, but he was also respected because he had natural magical ability. But as technology has improved and people have kind of outsourced most of what he's done to, to the, the automatons and the steam era of, of like these, these magical creatures that can do these things for him, he's not in demand anymore. And now all that's left is people being afraid of him and, and ostracizing him and not liking him and thinking he's a crazy, crazy person. And so that's made him bitter and sad. And so I kind of thought that that kind of thing with a bunch of veteran adventurers coming back into a new adventuring world that is not like what they originally remembered. I mean, I've done the opposite of that. I've definitely done time travel where it's, hey, you guys are here, but you need to go back there to stop this world from becoming what it is now. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I, Time travel itself, I get a little bit antsy about. It depends how you handle it. It depends how you handle it because it, 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 it can become a really convenient way to solve literally any problem. <laughs> well, this one, like, I, I'm sure I've told you about it before, but it was, there was the, the that's uh, from Decorda where the planes were falling apart into the material realm. Mm. Um. So the guy that accidentally did that and caused it to start happening is like, yeah, so I've kind of already figured out how to fix it, but I can't do it myself because you can't cross your own timeline. Right. Um, so he's like, so you guys can do it because, well, you're the only ones I trust. Reality is that uh, the way you would have it is that they can only go back in time to a place where their ancestors have already existed. So they're going back to a time uh -huh. period to direct ancestors of them. Oh, they're, um, they're quantum so they leaping. <clears throat> I haven't seen quantum leap, so sure. Um, so they get to go back in time <laughs> to a time period where direct ancestors of theirs are still alive. So that's the only way they can do it. Oh, that's they're assassins they creeding. <laughs> no, they, they aren't taking the place of their ancestors. They, they, they aren't in... in time to when they okay. exist. So they get to meet their ancestors, but not know they're their ancestors. Oh, they can't. Okay. Okay. So they're not going to know that they're related to these people necessarily, but they're going to be interacting with them, which could cause their future. But um, so yeah. the way they go back in time is they have to go to a place that exists outside of time, and that place is really strange, and that will get them there. So it's it's they have to go to the past to fix the to to change the future 
from what it is. Um, so it's a kind of a paradox thing. Oh, okay. And like the the item that lets them gain passage to the past is one they don't have when they get to the island they go to. Mm-hmm. But their future past spells will have it, so they get it. <laughs> mm. So basically, I went, all right, so you guys need to go to the past, but you need to go to this island first. And the island wants you to have an item that you don't have. Oh. So they go back to their boat, which is no longer the same boat. It's like aged 200 years, something like that. But the item they need is on the boat. So they bring that back, and then they go to the past. And so in the past there, they're going to be able to find the item to give it to themselves in their future past. Oh, it's all sorts of wonky. It, it it was really interesting. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds that sounds fun. Um. So yeah, the the other the other thought that I had was also kind of like just a take an idea and uh, just just turn it around a little bit. I had this thought like just from my limited time playing campaigns. Um, like yeah, the heroes keep kind of figuring out where they want to go and they're always kind of like the active like they're the proactive force going out to solve the problems and find the problem and solve it and i kind of like the idea of well hey what if the party instead was literally on the run like they were fugitives and there's this growing like inquisition that's coming for them and what if you set it up age inquisition uh, it's like a Dragon Age Inquisition, yep. And the Dragon Age Inquisition is, and but I had this, I had this interesting idea for the mechanic being, you could take any, you could even take the Forgotten Realms, just take the Forgotten Realms. But what you do is you place on there before you even start the campaign, the the DM or GM or whatever you're using would just place where like major major uh, forts and installations and checkpoints and stuff were for this organization that's out to destroy your party. They just figure out where they want to put them on the map. And then the characters are able to start in a spot and they have to figure out where they want to go, but they don't know where the, where the Inquisition is going to be headed. But that's all kind of like laid out before you even start the campaign. So if they end up like accidentally ending up in a town where the Inquisition is looking for them, it's because they made the the decision to go this way instead of that way. I mean, that can be fun, but you have to be careful when you do stuff like that. Hmm. Why? Because if you had, well, I don't want to be careful. Here's the thing. Yes. It depends on if you want your Inquisition in that case to be scaling with the party, or if they're dynamic and they are always what they are. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'd probably make them dynamic. I, I, I... Um, so then they're running into, like, if they go to the, the right place at level one, they're running into the Inquisition when they have no way to deal with them. Well, I, what I imagine, well, they, pr- I, I imagine a lot of what they would be doing in the early game is trying to avoid and run away from what that threat was. Well, if they accidentally go to where that threat is without knowing it, uh well yeah but again with like perception and stuff depending if there's stealth characters or stuff like that you know because i'd be mostly trying to set up areas where uh, of influence like where they would 
be garrisoned. So, like, okay, if they're garrisoned here, they probably have a few squads that are going out to the adjacent towns. And so how long is it going to take them to do that? So if you arrive here inside of a week, chances are they have one of their scouting parties out there. But again, the ones that you'd probably be uh, coming up against early, unless you somehow bypassed any of those parties and ended up right in a main garrison, would probably be low-level characters anyway. But if you weren't able to, you know, keep word from getting back on your position or shut down uh, one of the parties or something like that, you could expect getting hunted to your current location by higher-level characters and commanders and, and just, up and up that line. Again, you just have to be careful with that type of thing because if you suddenly have a level 1 party walk into a place with level 15 Inquisitors... Um, well, that, that sucks for them. <laughs> they shouldn't well, have done that. <laughs> well, it's one thing if they know the threat is there and they still go there, but it's another thing if it's completely unknown to them and they go there. Yeah, but I mean, one, one is more fair. Like there is, like if you say there's a dragon's lair here, mm -hmm. and they go into the dragon's lair, that's their own fault. But if they just right. kind of wander into town and the Inquisition's there, that's a little here. Different. Here's what I would here. Here's what I would propose. I think that in the interest of keeping it dynamic, but also keeping it fair, is it? It's not like the party couldn't inquire for information. I'm not saying that I would actively just tell them outright, but if they were looking for information, if they were trying to figure out, suss out what what's happening with this, where they might be able to go, um, information that might help them, uh, troop movement, stuff like that, go to the underground, talk to different characters, go to the taverns, see if there's any it, it, anybody who might be informing, see if they can shut that down. Stuff like I mean, that. You, you've also got to consider the fact that if that's something the party would want to do too, though. Yeah, no. Like, if you make your game about it, then they're probably more apt excuse me, to do it. But. Well, that's the thing. Um, I had the idea that, yeah, if we're going to do that, the party's aware that that's the campaign that's going to be run. Um, and that, yes, it's kind of an experiment, but also that I think it's, it's also a really good critical thinking experiment for the party because they realize that in so many ways, the GM is really not determining how bad they come down on the players. Like, a lot of it is essentially just algorithm at that point about how things spread out and how things, you know, interact with the world. That's all set down before they even start. So now it's it it is more of a strategy game at that point than anything else. How do you actually avoid this and also try to clear your name, and uh, you know or you know how how are you going to avoid this possibly get out or possibly clear your name or turn this to your advantage or stop this oppressive force and and drive it back, and it might not just be with your party. You might have to get other allies or you know get into the good graces of other people or play a larger game too it's basic it's like game of thrones but for the but for role playing and your party are trying to game of thrones this scenario in this particular case i just realized that that like was not something that i've seen done before and it made me wonder like well how would that work out 
because you know then it's then it feels like a really lived in world that's not like beholden to the players like remember when we were talking the idea about like worlds where the the heroes are not just like automatically the heroes of legend they're just characters in that world um this is like my antithesis for that that this is basically my example of what i would say that is you know these characters have are being hunted because they are considered you know unclean or you know uh heretics to this group that is rising up in power. Uh, okay, so... That sounds like the game I did with, with uh, David. Yeah. Yeah. This is... Uh, I, I imagine that this is probably a little bit more pandemic than that. <laughs> it actually... It, I, I think I was probably inspired a little bit by pandemic. And, like, if you took those kind of mechanics but you applied them to a role-playing game... You know, the idea that you have you have spots and they start to grow in power and then they start to spread out to adjacent places. Yeah. And I like mean, the then it becomes like a uh, almost like a, a risk type thing. Well, yeah, but the, see, the role playing still counts in my thought process. Well, the... I just mean like the, the way that the power spread happens. Oh, OK. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no. The risk r- risk is a good correlation, too. But like I imagine that there's also like. If the characters end up doing things that end up, like, showing that maybe inadvertently showing that the Inquisition is right, like, ending up making their point, maybe it's easier for them to recruit more people to their cause. But also, if you're able to, if you're able to, like, combat that with, like, good ideas or show yourself in a positive light, like, play the PR kind of campaign, charisma kind of stuff. You might end up getting public opinion turned against, and then all of a sudden they're not recruiting as many people. And if they're not charisma recruiting as many people, stat. huh? Oh, yeah, charisma is your dump stat. Yeah, that's where you, that's where you need everything, because chances are that's going to be the most valuable thing in this particular campaign. Talking your way into and out of situations is probably going to be the most important thing to that, because uh, combat is not going to be good for you, especially out of the game. But I do think that it would be interesting, because it, it works in similar uh, fashion to almost Skyrim. You know how, like, in Skyrim, it doesn't matter if you're a level one. You go out into the world, and a giant will smash you into the ground. So you start to learn, okay, I avoid the giants until I get powerful enough where I can take on the giants. And then I go and smash a lot of giants. Because I'm powerful now. I just, I liked, I kind of like the idea of trying to traverse this very tricky landscape where you always feel the tension that people are after you and the decisions that you make could make or break your party or land you uh, in jail or save you. So that there's always this there, there's always this real palpable tension for the party of like oh god where am I gonna go, where is safe, you know where they're where they're more on the run than they are actively trying to solve the problem, they're they're actually just trying to avoid the problem more than anything else. So, I had that thought process. I thought that was like a an interesting twist on a on an idea. I had that. In terms of campaign settings, there was like the the Staven one that I was talking about. I also had this other one, <coughs> which I know, like when I say things, I I have a feeling that people mostly just um, assume I'm kidding, 
Stop listening? Yeah, people stop listening when I have ideas. So, because they assume that, that the idea that I have is probably just a snarky joke I'm making. But this was like I a legit. A lot of the time it is. But this but. was like a legitimate one that I was like, this would be fun. And I don't know if it's been made. Maybe somebody will know. If it is, good, then I don't have to make it. But I had this idea of a world that was like, it was like a zombie world, right? Oh but, but, but. It's probably been made. <laughs> it's probably been made. But I like the idea in the zombie world. Taking a cue from like, uh, like maybe like iZombie or Santa Clarita Diet or Warm Bodies, your your player characters are the undead. You are the zombies, and you hate the fact that these pesky living people keep trying to kill you all the time. Your goal is to try and make sure that this world is safe for the undead, and so you're kind of like so. So it kind of takes that idea of, and I don't. I think I was calling it Blight World or something like that. And this, so, so the idea that like there's the undead are basically trying to maintain their own society, and these nasty humans keep trying to eradicate them. <laughs> so now, now you have, and I thought to myself, well, that actually makes sense because if you think about it, the undead always seem like supernaturally powerful compared to the living. Like every time they, like, you can't die by normal means. You know, all of a sudden, you seem to, like, it, it turn out to be super... So I was like, well, that's kind of like PCs. You know, PCs seem, like, supernaturally powerful anyway. So in this fiction, it kind of makes sense that they would be the undead that are trying to eat people and and are I mean, doing that, it because they're hungry. kind of be a monster campaign, which people do sometimes. Yeah, but I like the idea of an actual world where, like, the, the point was... That there was a society set up for the dead. And the dead weren't like the mindless, like, brain kind of zombies. But they were like the, the, like the conscientious thinking, you know, functioning uh, people, but they're dead. So it, it gives them, like, strength and, it, it, you know, they can't be killed by a lot of conventional means. And, um, you know, but, th but they still have to eat. And so, what? What I mean, are they going to eat? Well, yeah. What? What are they going to eat? Essentially, it's kind of like what would be. Um, uh, it's it's like if Galactus were the hero of the story, right? Like I like all I really want. I just I'm hungry. I need to destroy planets because I'm hungry. Well, now you have a campaign where you have the zombies, and the zombies are just like, hey, look. I gotta, I gotta make a, uh, well, not a living, but I gotta make a deading. I gotta make a deading, and how am I gonna do that? You gotta make an unlife for yourself. I gotta make an unlife. It's my unlife, and I'm, and it's now or never. <laughs> I was just thinking. <laughs> I know that I'm I not gonna live forever because I'm dead. <laughs> I just want to die while I'm undead. <laughs> Thanks, Bone Jovi. <laughs> That's why we can't have nice things. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things, whether we're living or dead. But anyway, I kind of like that idea because I figured your stats, like, I, I, I figured that this is probably something specific to a, a system. 
Like, this is like a setting system specific combination. And so the system would have to revolve around, like, you do have, like, a hunger meter or something like that that actually will diminish your power over time. So if you stay well fed, your strength and your, your endurance are higher. Um, but you're constantly on the, the search for more food because uh, your, your, your endurance levels, your hit points and everything start to decline as you, as you get hungrier and that, that hunger starts building. And I kind of thought that maybe this takes over. Yeah, it takes over. And, and I also kind of thought that there might be an interesting idea where you start to lose your like higher brain function, like as essentially like your intelligence also starts to go down, like whatever you're surprisingly good at, like your best stats are the ones that decrease the fastest and start taking penalties. And then you start getting disadvantaged with, like, logic. You can't make logical decisions anymore because the hunger has taken over your high... You've started to wither away and become, like, a feral creature. So you have to avoid that at at best. And I imagine that there are, like, what... You can see what happens. there's a difference between the... The yeah. ghouls and the feral ghouls in Fallout, for instance? It's sort of like that, yeah. So you know that you can become feral, and it will make you horribly aggressive, and you lose your functionality, and uh, and there's a lot of really bad things about it, but I also wonder if it also makes you just incredibly dangerous at the same time. Like, you become, like, a raging barbarian that... that <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, I kind of thought that that would probably be something where I had a specific system that I was building for that setting. Yeah. Because it would have to, it would have to work with a few different ideas in that. Um, but, yeah, anyway. So those were some of the ideas I had. I don't think they're going to mesh with your ideas, because, again, <laughs> Sam... There's more campaign themselves than, than world settings. Yeah. Necessarily. Yeah. I mean, that last one was it's iffy. It's a little either. It's one or the other, yeah. Well, yeah, I kind of figured that's one where the, the setting is is specific enough where it kind of needs a system that's going to be built around it because for it to function correctly. Um, the other question we would have is if we were building a... Um, if we were building a campaign setting... What system would we be using for it? Depends on what game you want it to be for, Nathan. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Could we make a world? See, this is why no one takes me seriously. Could we make a world that was infested with gummy bears? Uh, I believe Pat McNary has that field. Um, pretty, pretty. He has cornered. the market covered on all kinds of bears. I mean, I, I would let him do it, yeah. <laughs> okay. He can have the gummy bears. I think that's the problem, is that eventually you're going to realize that, like, all the settings are already done. <laughs> Everyone's come up with the settings. Um, I don't know. Like, what... I guess the question I have, since I'm, I'm, we're doing brainstem storming right now, is what would you want your setting to accomplish? Like, what what would you really want the your your setting to do that other settings aren't already uh, doing? 
I mean, me personally, if I was going to make a whole world setting, mm. I'd want it to play a different ball game with the tropes of different fantasy races. Uh, okay. Um, I'd, I'd want them not to be your standard, um, exactly what you get from Tolkien and D&D type races. Like, they can be the same races, but presented in a different way. Right. I mean, I, I did try to make that, but... What, the undead one? <laughs> no, 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 with Rift Hunters. That was, yeah. that was like, uh, that, that was deconstructing the fantasy genre. I mean, at its a, core. A little, it was, a little, yeah. But I'd want it to be, like, in a way that wasn't just, like, super silly like Rift Hunters was okay. in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, like, de deconstruct your fantasy tropes, but, like, do it in a way that's really interesting, but, like, lore-friendly to it. Like, mm -hmm. not necessarily the tropes themselves, but, like, it makes sense. Like, the the, uh, the idea with the dwarves that I had, where the, the Iron Core world where the dwarves control all the iron basically except for a few black markets mm -hmm. so that you basically everyone but the dwarven societies are like feudal japan style mm. where it's iron poor so their weapons and stuff are if they're made of iron or steel they're really expensive but everything else is like bronze and brass and other types of materials mm. um because it's it makes the entire world a little bit interesting in that fact. Plus, then the dwarves have your, your uh, they're kind of like the Dwemer from mm -hmm. uh, Skyrim, where they're technologically superior, mm. and their armies would be superior in everything that they do because their technology and their metalworking is far superior. Mm. So their weapons and everything and their armor and it would be the best. It'd be like your obsidian armor from Skyrim, or you know, your Daedric, right? Um, but then you have the dwarves themselves who are keeping their uh, their case system where the lower than the noble classes are all fucking lead poison because they're like, yeah, we're going to use lead as a sweet. Mm -hmm. And the nobles are like, yeah, we're going to keep doing this. And the lower classes are like, yeah, this is great. And we're getting lead poisoning. So it attributes to their entire societal makeup where mm -hmm. the case, they're angry, they're prone to aggression they're a little bit slower than they should be because lead poisoning. Mm. But so like just that one is like really interesting to me because like yeah, dwarves aren't usually the aggressive military types in games. Like mm. they can be really military esque, but they're not aggressive. They're not like hoarding all this stuff for themselves. Whereas in this one, they'd be like the financial and military powerhouse in this world. Mm -hmm. Because if you want iron, you got to go through them. And if you go through them, you're paying exorbitant prices. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know what DC thinks of that idea. I don't think I've mentioned it when DC was around. <laughs> mm. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I... Yeah, I mean, stuff like uh, Everon kind of gets close to the idea of using the the standard race is a little differently than uh what you would expect yeah and uh that might be a good feeding point for that too hmm eberron is always interesting yeah i don't know as much about eberron really so i don't either but i do know some of it like the the warforged for instance did come out of eberron i believe yes that's that's uh, an eberron thing and I, I like everyone's like, I want to be a warforged. Like, why? 
Uh, because you're like metal and stuff. They can be made out of wood. Or you're wood and stuff. Machines! <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I guess that, like, I'm still trying to wrap my head around Forgotten Realms, so I'm pretty behind the times. So when people are like, yeah, what about, like, Greyhawk? And it's like, I don't know what those are. <laughs> I don't understand these things. What is an Eberron? Yeah. What is I, not an Eberron? I mean, I've been, you know, playing in D&D since the 90s and started in a second edition campaign. Mm. And I never really played in official forgotten realms or anything i didn't know any of that stuff until fifth edition came around and i started watching screens and now it's part of what i do so right yeah right. yeah well, i used to i used to think that um because like the basic campaign setting used to be Faerun, right like that was um the standard setting for D D now is pretty much Faerun. oh okay yeah it was originally it, it went from greyhawk to uh Forgotten Realms. Was it Greyhawk before? It was, it was yeah, Greyhawk. Greyhawk was the first thing. Okay. Was that, uh, which edition was that? One of the first. Uh, that was, I believe that was, oh, I don't know when it was codified, but. Because I know, I don't think 3.5 really specified it wasn't a specific setting. It was just D&D, unless that was Greyhawk. Or was that, no, that was Forgotten Realms, I think. No. There is a Forgotten Realms campaign setting for 3.5. Right. But it wasn't like set. It didn't. It was a very generic world, I think, at that point. Mm. Oh, uh, let's hear. Uh, officially, is something called Blackmore was the like first official oh. campaign thing. And then Greyhawk. But <laughs> they were not that far off from each other. And mm. then around sometime around 3, they decided that um forgotten realms would be the official campaign setting oh okay so was Faerun ever like a like a main campaign setting like because uh, i thought that that was like something different no that that's forgotten realms oh that is forgotten realms. Faerun. yeah oh okay yeah, yeah, yeah gotcha okay for some reason i thought that those were different i don't know why maybe because people talk about them in like proper terms uh, at the same time. So I was like, oh god. <laughs> Those are two different things. Now, Tal'Doray, that's a whole different thing. So, that's a whole different yeah, thing. Yeah, Tal'Dorei is, is uh, uh, Matt's... M Matt Mercer's thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Faerun is the major continent where everyone goes, that most people know, you know, Waterdeep, Neverwinter, yep. all those all stuff are on Faerun. The planet is called Toril, and it's that is the part of the Forgotten Realms. Oh, okay. There, there are other continents in uh, the Forgotten Realms, too. Yeah. yeah. Faerun is the most, uh, I guess, the most well-known, the most played in. Mm. Okay. Um, but, okay, so there's other... Yeah, the entire oh, okay. world is Albir Toril. I'm not going to remember that, but okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, Albir Toril? Okay. Albir, Albir Toril. See, I told you, I will never remember that. Um, but uh, but I will take your word for it, and it's important for, for reasons. 
But okay, so the Forgotten Realms is larger than F Faerun is inside of the Forgotten Realms. Yeah, it's. The, yes. I think it's the biggest continent. I think. Yeah. Faerun's, okay. Here, uh, Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter, Waterdeep, all those towns you know of take place there. The jungles of Schult are. Um, I think those are technically in Faerun uh, as well. Uh, I think that's the first sort of outside. Just, I think it's just barely. It is. It yeah. Is really south. So. Okay, and so, but the jungles of Cholt is where the Yuan T are, Nathan. And the, and isn't that where the the uh, dinosaurs are? Yeah, of course, uh, dinosaurs yeah, there. Yep. Yeah, those dinosaurs. That's where dinosaur races uh, are happen yeah. in. Uh, I like in the that. town. That's it. I like dinosaurs. Want more dinosaurs? That's that was my like that was my selling point when I had um, Chris Locke on talking about uh, uh, lasers and liches. It's like yeah, they're they're like dinosaurs, but they're like neon dinosaurs with like lasers, and I'm like <laughs> sold. <laughs> I want this. And they were like, yeah, no, no, we we took Dragonborns, and there are like seven different variations on dragonborn so there's like a neon and like a pulse and uh they can they can like shoot they have like laser eyes now i'm like yeah i want to so play a like dragonborn Dinobot. now <laughs> so there's what it's like what dinobot from transformers uh i guess a little bit more like that yeah does that does that not entertain you are you not entertained you should be entertained um entertained. Yeah, no, I was so happy that there are dinosaurs. Now I need to put more dinosaurs. But, okay, now, but does that mean that, like, but Greyhawk and Eberron and all of those, those aren't in the same world as... No, uh, uh, Greyhawk and Eberron and, uh, uh, Faerun are different worlds, and the cosmology is set up as, essentially, they kind of, taken the ideas from uh spelljammer where the worlds are like these crystal spheres mm. and so every realm is a different sphere like if you could go out into space you yeah. could travel to a different thing you know a, a different realm right uh, okay or you can you know open a portal and be put there too but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. that's sort of, that's sort of the current idea behind what they have until they decide to say otherwise but right right i i, I get that yeah um actually funny when we when i had Locke... so you know ravnica is yeah. a, a world out there in the space and ravnica you know... is a world from magic the gathering sir <laughs> <laughs> yeah and... but they have the guild master's guide to ravnica which That's makes right. uh yeah uh, I don't know how I haven't looked at it. I don't know how I feel setting. about it because Ravnica was the last set I actually played in Magic. Yeah, like that's where I stopped playing Magic. Oh really? Was it because of Ravnica, or you just lost interest? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel you. I I actually Mirrodin was the last uh, block that I really got into, mm. and they did a lot of stuff during that set that I didn't really like game wise mechanically like the uh shit um what was it In indestructible mm. 
Um, and then a lot of the stuff they've done afterwards, they've just like, yeah, I'm so glad I got out of that. Like, um, what is it? Annihilator? Mm. Are you familiar with the Annihilator uh, mechanic, Nathan? Uh, no, I don't think I was there for that one. DC, you play Magic at all? Are you familiar with Annihilator? No, I don't play Magic. That's 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 good. Yeah. You save money. Um, so <laughs> Annihilator uh, was the thing. I believe it's when it hits you for damage, you also sacrifice that many permanents. Oh wow! Okay. Something like that. Uh, there you go. I'll look it up really quick. Uh, a triggered ability Annihilator and means whenever this creature attacks, defending player sacrifices and permanents. So this say this uh this creature here that did ten five has mm. annihilator too. When this creature attacks, you sacrifice two permanents. Like that's that's really silly to me. Like that's what that's yeah that's I don't. It changes the game into something that is just a, a pissing contest for who can get the most whatever out the fastest, you know. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't like a lot of the things they did with it. Yeah. So I was, I was, yeah, I was kind of happy to be out of there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah. I mean, some of the, some of the mechanics that they put into it were probably a little overpowered. Um, I just, um, I think I just, I, I didn't want to continually keep up with sets. So I was like, you know, I there's only so much money in the world for me to get every magic card known to mankind. But you need to get a black lotus, Nathan. I but it's not going to matter cuz you can't even like use the freaking black lotus in tourneys or anything like that. But you got to get a black lotus. No, you really don't. Yeah, I also need to get a chromatic charizard. I know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> I also I also need to get the limited edition, uh, a swirly, uh, 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 whatever it was, those uh, beanie babies. I got to get one of those, uh, the the one that like looks like a rainbow colored bear that has a special top hat. I need to get that one right now. No, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with that. Uh, pay pay seven hundred dollars so you can get a card, and a year later it's like worth five. No, I'm not. I'm not playing this game. Sorry. This it's you no know, it's it's speaking of magic it really makes me wonder how games how they can hark on games for the gambling quote unquote that they do with uh, loot boxes and stuff but yet trading card games like magic and um, like those surprise things that they sell in the in the girl aisle of toys like oh there's a surprise in here you don't know what you're gonna get. How are those not regulated under the same types of things they're trying to do with the loot boxes? It's all pay money to get something random. Yes. Yes, you're right. No, the so booster it, booster packs and stuff like that is basically the same as doing loot boxes. I mean, there's it, there's it, you I mean, get, you get some more than a typical loot box, I guess. But right. Well, no, they they've used to be this. fair with a booster pack, you are guaranteed a rare. Three uncommons or four uncommons. Yes, you are. Of, uh, and then a bunch of commons. So yes. I guess maybe that's it. You're guaranteed. You are guaranteed. Some are not guaranteed a thing. Yes. But they're 
pretty much the same thing. They had when you really get down to it. They had proposed. There are countries where they had proposed legislation that basically said that um, companies that are going to use loot boxes in their games have to disclose the percentile possibility of getting different kinds of cards or gear from those boxes. I mean, yeah, you you should. Which you is should. Why I think Magic probably skirts around it because you have a hundred percent chance to get each of these. Right. They like, say it's they say it's a thirteen card pack. In that thirteen card pack you have one rare three uncommons. Yeah. And the rest are commons. You know that. That's what you know. So they so I, they've made it very clear that that's what you get. So I don't know why the uh, the game companies wouldn't just do that then. Um, because they prefer not to tell you that basically it's nigh on impossible to get the thing you want, <laughs> or or <laughs> or be forced to actually change it to something reasonable. Um, that that actually has been the thing that people have been referencing when it comes to people saying that well the loot boxes are gambling. Well, it's. It's not, you know that, you, you don't know what you're getting, but you are getting something for the money that you pay. You're opening a loot box and you get stuff. So just like a magic card pack, um, yeah, you don't know exactly what's in the content of the pack, but you go in understanding that you are getting something. It might not be the thing you wanted, but you do get a thing. Yeah. In typical gambling, you can walk away with literally nothing. You put your money down, and you have nothing to show for it. You get I mean, nothing transactional. Even the loot boxes, you get something. You're not gonna just like yes, yes, get nothing at all. Yeah, you're always going to get something. It just it's, might be useless. It's probably not the thing you want. That was the problem that they were having with like Battlefront Two, was that like people would get. And I, I suppose I could see where this would be a problem, is, like, they would get stuff for characters that they had not unlocked. So I'm getting gear for things that I don't even have. So it is essentially worthless for me. But they did technically give you something. It, it was a sucky thing, but they did give you something. So, but I... But I, I don't know. That's been something that a lot of countries have been talking about now, about how we deal with that as gambling, and is that gambling? And I I don't know. I think that they, in some ways it almost opens up a can of worms that it, is going to is gonna get us to the point where it's like, well, maybe magic is gambling. Maybe the Pokemon trading card games are gambling. And maybe this is... And, Maybe Pokemon I mean, yeah, it's, Go it's, is gambling. If loot boxes are gambling, then what is not gambling? Therein lies the problem. What and is how not are these, gambling? How are baseball cards not gambling then? Because they don't have an inherent monetary value? Yeah. Or intrinsic value? Because, or... um, yeah, baseball card packs have been around for a while now, and it's not like you know what card you're getting in that pack. If you're looking for, like, the Daryl Strawberry rookie card and... You're probably going to be opening packs for a while in order, in order to get that one, you know? I know that if I open, like, a Tops pack of cards, they're all going to be Tops cards, but that's basically the only thing I'm guaranteed. Yep. And that's, you know what? Card packs have been around for, oh God, how long since they were even a thing? So... And then then you get into, like, uh, how D&D has the, the monsters... The monster boosters or monster blisters you can buy oh i think the uh, miniatures that are oh. oh what are you gonna get in this it's a surprise 
that's a that's a thing like that too. It's technically a gamble. Well, you don't know what you're gonna get. Well, and then what about the like the surprise eggs? Yeah, like you got the surprise eggs. You got the um. Oh God, what was the other thing? The uh, like the, those little miniature figurines that you can buy, and it's like it's part of a set, but there's like twelve different things in the set, so you never know which one you're going to get. So it's a it's yeah. the mystery those box. Are, those are technically gambling too. It's kind of like, like gambling. If, ten, it's like ten out of twelve of those, you're yeah really higher chances, and then like the last two are super rare to get. Yeah. So that you keep buying them. Yeah. And then, then you ask yourself, like, when McDonald's does the Monopoly challenges, you know, like, you know that, like, Park Place is probably really easy to get, but then Boardwalk's I mean, going to be super hard to get. That's a little different because that is something that you is, are st- A, no purchase necessary. Yeah. You can write in for game pieces. And right. B, you're not paying for the game pieces. They come with something else. Right. You are already getting a product. So that's just so like I a think promotional that would fall thing. under a different yeah that would fall under a different type of deal you're right not, you're not going hey let me buy these pieces because they can't legally it's basically well, a raffle that yeah well I mean that's that's the same thing like when I um I get the publisher's clearinghouse thing in the in the mail and it's like you can enter to win for the for the prize of the thing but they make it very clear on that because I know that this is something that is is a problem they have to make this very clear. You do not have to purchase anything to apply to 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 enter into that competition, and the reason is very simple. If they made that the case, then that would be gambling, and they're not allowed to do that. They're they're not like solicited to do that. That's not something that they're allowed to do, as as a private company. They're not set up that way. So there's. So, so there there are a lot of problems associated with it. I would say that it probably ends up being a very complex issue that if anyone was able to solve it would then make things really tricky for anyone trying to put it together. I'm all for trying to figure out some way to make loot boxes more fair, but I don't know if you can technically consider them gambling. Well, sure, make them like a booster pack. Well, do, yeah, you do. Yeah, no, no, a, that's you know, you're right. You're right. You would, you would, you would have a booster pack, basically for a box, mm. where it would be you get four items. Uh, one is guaranteed to be a a rarer item. The second one is in, uh, it's like the the Hearthstone boosters. Mm. Like, yeah, you know, Blizzard did that right. Yeah, where you get five cards or whatever, how many cards? And like one is guaranteed to be, I think, a rare every time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's as long as you guarantee there's one of value in there, one that is better quality than the rest, mm-hmm. it's not so much, I don't think, an issue. Mm-hmm. Because it's like you are guaranteed these odds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whether the odds of that one specific card you want that is a rare card is like one percent and the other ones are much higher. That doesn't really matter because you're still guaranteed a higher value. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I. I think that it's going to have to be a model, and it, maybe, maybe at a certain point, magic really is a a way that you can can do this and say, hey, look, we're going to be pretty transparent right up at the front as as to what you're going to get in this pack, and make it very clear as to what that is. Make it make it more transparent. Um. And and if it happens to be the thing where they just say, "Hey, the percentage chance of you getting this is is this, 
and you go in knowing that, like, I only have a 1% chance of getting, you know, the tier card that I'm looking for in this, well, then I'm aware of that, I guess, up at the front. But I would prefer that they have a thing where, you know, you at least get guaranteed something in a higher-end tier. It might not be exactly what you're looking for, but you do get something that's particularly valuable. I would actually think that that would be beneficial to them, because if I open up one of those loot boxes or whatever, and I know that I'm going to get a rare card, yeah, it might not necessarily be the uh, rare on card. On the other side, you could do like what CSGO has. Oh, yeah. Um, where they have they have their... their uh... They're not loot boxes, but they're loot boxes. They're called differently. Oh, okay. Chest, chest, gold, chest. Um, whatever it is, they have keys. You buy the keys, but you get the chest free uh, randomly drops, or you can buy chests too. But um, you can sell the items that you get in them. You can sell the right. keys if you get them. You can sell the chests if you get them on the Steam store. Oh, okay. Um, so if you get a skin for an, a weapon, because it's all cosmetic, it's nothing mm -hmm. that changes the game. But if you get a skin, um, you could sell it on the Steam store if you want for it, actual money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's cool. Well, like the the, I think that if they wanted to take a real cue for something that worked, regardless of how I felt about the game when I tried playing it, but you could look at Fortnite. And if you look at Fortnite and see the model that they built, it's actually a pretty good one. <laughs> because they basically said, okay, yeah, you know, everything that you were paying for for the premium stuff, all of that, that it is all cosmetic. That's all it is. And also, like, we show you that you've unlocked these, th these things. You have now unlocked these products. If you are, if, if you have, like, our, the membership, if you have, like, the silver tier membership, these things are unlocked to you. So it's actually completely transparent as to what you've gotten. Um, it's, it's become completely obvious what you can get. Uh, and it seems to have worked out pretty well for them. Um, you know, that seems to have done good. They made a lot of money on a free game. <laughs> so it's not, a, it's not a bad thing. But now, how do you feel about like, because um, I, I don't, I don't consider this any kind of gambling or anything like that because it's more promotional. But like the golden keys in the Borderlands, you know, yep. uh, those that, are free though. Yeah, you just have to get the codes. Yeah, and that's that's you're not paying for it. Right, it's a um, promotional thing. So it, it's, I think it would be a totally different thing because it's not like you're paying for it outright. You pay for the game. Yeah, because I would absolutely love the idea that the you know the loot boxes were just given to me if I had codes for the loot boxes. I would prefer that yeah, kind of. Yeah, so system. they're giving away these things. You just have to find them. Yeah. So that's like additional content, free content, essentially. Right. The um, other the other problem that uh, Battlefront Two had gotten into that it got into it, they had some problems. <laughs> Um, but the other thing yeah. was the idea that you had to grind for so long to unlock characters that people actually wanted that it became pretty insane thinking of how much time you would spend on it and that that grind caused a lot of people to say, maybe I have to buy the premium currency outright. 
Because, like, that was available if you spent time in matches. But you would have to spend... I think they figured out if you wanted to unlock, like, Anakin or if you wanted to unlock Darth Vader. It was, like, Darth Vader or Yoda. Uh, or, or Luke Skywalker, I guess. Uh, okay, if you want to unlock Luke or, or Darth Vader, you need this many points. Okay, well, how do I do that? Well, you play matches. Okay, how many points do I get per match? And I think they figured out by the average length of a match, it would take you somewhere between, like, 40 and 60 hours to get the necessary points just to unlock one of those characters playing in games. And people were like, that's a lot of time to spend so I can un so I can just get enough coins to unlock one character. But you could also buy the currency yeah. if you wanted. Yeah. So Gotta make that money somehow. <laughs> it's not like you would make it by by just buying the game. Hey, since it's Star Wars Day or a slightly past Star Wars Day, there's aren't aren't you so happy? That EA is is gonna make a new Star Wars game, and that they made it very clear that there are not going to be loot boxes or microtransactions at all. And the problem that they created, they now want credit for solving. Isn't that great? I feel like they're lying through their teeth. <laughs> yeah, no, trust me. There's gonna be freaking microtransactions. They're not letting that go. It's gonna happen. They're gonna have cosmetic things. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna do things behind a paywall. <laughs> is what they're gonna do. Yeah, the maps gonna are, it's not gonna be microtransactions. It's gonna no. be additional DLC maps. Yeah, or it's, characters. Yeah, that's probably and that's how they're gonna do it. It's not a microtransaction. It's, it's not a, loot a, box. a bundle. Yeah, it's not a loot box. It's not a microtransaction. It's something else. But it basically means yes, you have to pay us more money than the game, than the game itself. Um. Which you know the game the game itself sounds like a great idea like it it sounds like a fun Star Wars game that's being made by Respawn, which I swear EA just realized was like their golden goose that they never even knew they had. <laughs> like, all of a sudden one day they were like, oh wait, this game company we had over here that we purchased a while back, they're really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no duh. Like Bioware, Bioware eventually graces you with Anthem, and you're like, oh, and like the same day that that releases, your your respawn company just like out of left field without you really even understanding what it is comes out with um, Apex Legends and makes a jillion dollars for you on a free battle royale game. Oh man. Hey, maybe they should do Star Wars games. Yeah, maybe they should be doing the Star Wars games. Good job. But I do I did love the fact that they were like coming out and they were saying, "Yeah, yeah, no." And there are no they wanted to have like this giant applause. You could just tell <laughs> they wanted everyone to applaud their ability to not put a microtransaction in a game. <laughs> Good for you trying to solve tr trying to get credit for solving a problem you created yourself yay <laughs> good for you oh ea Maybe oh we should release some of those publishers they bought back into the, the wild yeah release yeah oh my god i really wish that they would i really wish they would release so many of them back it's like okay 
if, if you had a choice and you were like, okay, well, we could just drop them right now and everything that they have for assets is just – we're pretty much screwed. Or maybe we take a small buyout and you can just go off and be an indie development company. I'd be like, well, yeah, at least we recoup some of the losses that we had on it. Because then those companies could go off and just do what they want. You know? BioWare would have been much better off if they had I, uh, EA. I need to go oh, okay. for tonight. So. All right. Yeah, we're probably Thanks for joining us, now, DC. But... Yeah, thanks for having a show and oh, yeah. letting me come on and have a bit. Chat. Chat a tiny bit. <laughs> Chatterwalky. Yes. Uh, yeah, we're, we're probably going to be finished up in a moment, but, uh, yes, thank you for joining us, DC, and, uh, we will, we will see you, uh, next time we do some kind of streaming thing. All right. Uh, next time, Nathan later. doesn't have any, uh, issues. Yeah, well, I always have issues, don't worry about that. <laughs> it's almost guaranteed. Um, yeah, no, I was, uh, like I was saying, I think that, uh, EA... Uh, like Bioware was much better before it was EA, um, and uh, I guess I'll find out because oh yeah, that's that's the other good news. Guess what I got in the guess what I got in the mail from GameFly, Alex. Um, GDLC. Oh wow, no, uh, that that's too <laughs> terrifying. Uh, no, uh, no Anthem came in for rental. Oh, that's Sunday. So I guess over the next few days I'm gonna be checking that out and seeing how much of a train wreck this is. I'm gonna be able to find out for myself, and um, I guess I'll be making a video about it probably after that. Yep. Um. Yeah. I. I'm a little reluctant to play it, um, but at the same time, it's like, well, I mean, it's been out for a little while. I guess they had to, a little time to fix the kinks. But I swear, every time I look at any medium, any media about the game, it's all like, uh, Bioware's still screwing. Bethesda and Bioware's still screwing up their properties left and right. Because um, I had told you... Did I mention to you that I actually had been able to... I I did get into the Blades beta for Elder Scrolls yeah. Blades, but yeah. my phone is not compatible with Blades. <laughs> so it's like, well, that's great. I could play the beta. They gave me the ability to play the beta. I just don't have the phone to play the beta. <laughs> I'll I'll see. I think I have to upgrade my phone soon. Maybe the new one will be able to do it. But, but then I, then I I actually saw some people who were talking about blades, and they were like, "Yeah, this sucks. <laughs> it's not good." And as a beta, there's 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 a game store in the app, and it's in beta. So like the game isn't even completed yet, but they are fine having you make microtransactions for gold oh, you, in the you game. need to yeah like you need to because there's items that you need like the, the some of the best gear and stuff are behind that and there's countdown timers the good old countdown timers that keep you from doing things until like five minutes are up that was the whole thing that they were saying. Like, I, I get it. It's like you do this thing and then they make you wait 10 seconds. Or you could hit the little thing and pay a gold or something to make the timer stop. 
and it really is like the cheapest way to do what happened to Bethesda I I don't know that's the saddest thing for me right now what happened to what happened to all my great game companies there are so few that I really look forward to now like I'm I'm still looking forward to like uh Cyberpunk 2077 cuz you know I really CD Project Red is still a solid company they make solid games uh I'm looking forward to Outer Worlds because I Obsidian is one of my I have a soft spot for that company they make great stuff and so I I have high hope. Well, they haven't let me down yet, and so I'm gonna go with the fact that they haven't let me down yet. Um, their track record has been solid, and it does look like the kind of game that interests me greatly. I cannot say, like, to be completely honest, I cannot say that about things like Anthem and Fallout 76. Like, I knew that they came from studios that I really like, but they are not really games that looked like they would interest me personally. So yeah. so <clears throat> I, I can't really get sad when they don't. Like, like I, I understood 76 was going to be a hot mess. Oh, yeah, it was. And I we, played... We called that beforehand, too, so... Yeah, we did call that. In fact, I could have pretty much called that right out of the gate when they were the second they were like yeah it's gonna be like all multiplayer i was like oh god this is not gonna work because fallout is not gonna work as a multiplayer game not for what i want to get out of it at least but anthem even when they would show anthem and i was like um okay i guess this doesn't really feel like a bioware game like i guess i'm gonna find out i haven't technically played it yet but I do, I have, luckily, uh, there was a, a guy over at Kotaku who was able to do an actual uh, um, article about basically what went wrong with Anthem behind the scenes. And um, apparently it was a very, very good article. It's been broken down by a few different outlets by now to talk about. But so... Um, the sad thing about it is that uh, apparently it really wasn't all EA's fault. We'd love to we'd love to just blame the whole thing on EA, but actually no, BioWare does have some blame to take up for it because you think about it. So Anthem's technically been in development for like 7 years. Right? Like 6 or 7 years. Yeah, it's been on there for a while. Yeah. If I told you that they essentially didn't really start actually working on programming the game. Like, they didn't actually start working on the, f the, like the stuff that you would see at EA. They didn't have that together until, like, the beginning of, like, 2017. How, how surprised would you be? Like, literally the first five years or, or change... They didn't actually have any gameplay. They didn't have, like, anything done on the game itself. And so, so I guess what actually happened is eventually some of the guys at EA, and I can't blame them, honestly, was, like, coming to, coming to Bioware and saying, Hey, um, yeah, that game you've been working on five, for five years, um, why is there no game yet? <laughs> like, 
shouldn't there be a game? And I, interestingly enough, they didn't even want to do the flight thing. The flight thing was an afterthought. Then, then they showed some flying animation. They showed it to one of the executives, apparently, at EA, and they're going, oh, the flying is really cool. And so then they had to, like, try to... You're like, shit. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, they had to try and, like... They, they, they tried to rebuild the game around the flying mechanics after they had started working on it. It's like, oh my god, what a hot mess. <laughs> this is... It's crazy. And that you could tell, like, when you got into it, that there were systems that were not worked on as much as they should. So really, in terms of, like, the amount, like, the, the product that you got, which, granted, this is impressive, but the product that we got, regardless of how hard, rough it is, they probably only spent about 12 to 16 months making it. That's not enough. That's, no, it's really not enough. So when they're talking about like you know the like the loot drops for things where it's like oh here's here's one and like there are places where there just aren't stats. Congratulations, this does zero to zero fire damage. Rip. Great, or <laughs> it's just or where they'll they'll like you can tell like in some of the cutscenes like where they they get introduced to a, a character. But they had already been talking to the character. Now they're introduced to that character after they've already been talking to them. They didn't know who they were, but they turns out that they were important. It's it's just so much that that they were having trouble with in that development process. Um, but yeah, it usually even if those games are not good, I can usually tell if I'm going to like them before I get a hold of them. And yeah. I've gotten to the point where I have a pretty good sense of whether this is going to just work or not. Sometimes I'm surprised. But, yeah, we, we pretty much called, like, that Fallout 76 was just not going to work. Yeah, we did. And, and the thing about it is, it has, yes, it has a lot of bugs. I kind of figured it would, it's... Bethesda. You accept that the games are large and are going to have bugs. What I knew I couldn't change, though, is that it's a multiplayer game that's consistently online that was not going to be able to have the depth or character development or anything that you usually hope to have in Fallout. That's something that they can't change. That's just not something that they can do. They weren't building that game. And go figure, it's underwhelming because of it. The bugs the bugs suck too. The graphics, the pop-ins and all of that, yes, I get it. I get it. That's it's all bad, but I don't know why people were surprised by it. I don't it, know. People are weird. Yeah, I mean people are kind of weird, but it's like did you not play literally every other Bethesda game? Did you not think that there were going to be some bugs? That's not surprising for me. What's surprising is that you thought that a multiplayer version of a post-apocalyptic world is going to work and not just end up being a Rust clone or, or a Conan Exiles. It, it, the survival genre is what it is, 
that's just this with a fallout coat of paint on it. And I, I wasn't alone. We weren't alone. There were plenty of outlets that were saying, that's basically what this looks like. And they were right. Um, but in terms of games that I am excited about, though, it, you know, Outer Worlds looks like a game I'd want to play. You know, that's the, that's the thing. It looks like, and it sounds like, and from everything I can tell, it is the kind of game I want to play. It's supposed to be a single-player experience. It's an RPG. It's sci-fi setting. It's being done by Obsidian. It sounds like the kind of game that I was hoping we would be getting from, like, a Starfield down the road. Well, we're, we're, it, it looks like that's what Outer Worlds is at least trying to be. Cyberpunk 2077, it's in first person, it sounds a little bit like Deus Ex, it's being built by the same people that made Witcher, and they're, they're a good company, they know how to do narrative structure, and, and it looks great, and I bet it's going to play nicely, so Borderlands 3, obviously I'm excited for, you know, how can you not be, it's Borderlands, they're, they're freaking guns with legs, <laughs> Guns, guns with guns. Yeah. Did you did you see the? You had seen the trailer, I'm sure, for Borderlands mm -hmm. Three. Yeah. The, the guns with legs. We got you, boo. Because <laughs> because Gearbox knows what the fans wanted, even if they didn't know yet. I didn't know I wanted guns with legs, but I certainly do now. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, the only issue I'm having with that is that they, uh, the, the, they're releasing on the Epic Store. Well, Outer Worlds is going to be doing the same thing. They're releasing exclusively for the Epic Store. Epic's got the kind of money that just is ridiculous at this point, where they're just able to do... Do you have exclusivity for a year on our platform? I mean... I don't like that because I don't use Epic Store and I probably won't. Yeah. See, for me, I guess I don't... If it's just a matter of where I download the thing from... Uh, okay, whatever. I mean, at least it's not... It's not like Xbox or PlayStation where I need a specific system to play the game. Um, and, I mean, yeah, Epic Store is rough. No shopping cart. Why? Why, Epic? You can make a jillion dollars on a free game with Fortnite. You can't put a shopping cart in your damn app store? What? Oh, the shopping cart is coming in like three months. Are you even trying? But, but, if it's just a matter of where I download the game from... Uh, I don't want to have 15 million different launchers. Uh, I understand. It's it's a hassle. It's an inconvenience. But at least I don't have to buy a whole other... Con it's not like it's a console exclusive and I have to... I have to buy a whole other console just to play it. I mean, that's annoying. Yeah. I, I don't like that. Um, I get that they have to have exclusives for those systems. But, yeah, I mean, I only have two launchers, really. I have the Steam, because, of course, I have Steam. And I have I have GOG, because I actually like GOG. I think it's a good system. But, because they don't, they don't make you... If you get a game from GOG, you can download it straight to your desktop so that you can play it independently of the app. 
they don't force you to use the app and launch it every time you want to play the game. And I was like, okay, that's pretty good. And they have a lot of good sales sometimes. Um, but, I mean, I, um, the, I understand why people are going to the Epic Store. Uh, one, because they're probably getting a lot of money to go to there and, and do it exclusively. But also, it's the pay oh, yeah, model. They're they're cutting deals. Yeah, but it's also it's the pay model, dude. You know, it's Epic takes a much smaller cut than Valve does. Yeah, and that's a big thing. Yeah, because I mean, I, St- I the fact that Steam has a thirty percent overhead for their games is big, <laughs> like. That's a lot. And so when Epic is like, yeah, ours is like 12. Yeah, no, I understand why game companies are hoping to go over to Epic because that's like that's like 18% or so more of what you make on the game in the pocket of the game developer and not the app store. And I I understand the reason why they want to do that. I also understand that that's the reason why Epic's reducing the actual cost of the game because there's a lot of those cases where they're going to be like yeah no if, if you get it on steam it's going to be 60 dollars, but if you get it on epic it's going to be 50 because even even then at that lower price point more actual dollars still go to the developer than they would if they bought it on steam at 60 and so i understand the economics of it it's just I really wish that before Epic did all of that, they had created a super solid and user-friendly platform to do it on. And unfortunately, they didn't do that. Um, it's... I don't know. It's unfortunate. But it wouldn't stop me from playing the game. Uh, again, I would get it on consoles. You know, I, I would buy it on an Xbox, so it doesn't really affect me. But... I get, I get for anybody who has to, who wants to play on PC, that that is going to be, that, that is probably going to be an issue. I'm not saying that the Epic Store is good. I'm not saying that the exclusivity is right. I do, however, understand the reason why, why companies are tempted to use it. Yeah. I, I, I get it. They're not getting charged as much in the overhead. It's more money in the actual developer's pocket rather than the app store. And Epic has crazy stupid money that they can utilize to to cut these huge multi-million dollar deals to to be on that Epic store. But it's bad PR. People don't like the Epic store and it, it they've gotten a lot of blowback for the ones that do it. Um I just don't know how you don't have a shopping cart. I mean, it's... <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. So, uh, so did you enjoy your Star Wars day? It, it was our... Yeah. I, I, I took a nap, so yeah, it was good. <laughs> I, took a, I took a nap. That's okay. The, uh, the next episode that we do is probably going to be on Wookiee Life Day. So look forward to that. <laughs> It should be on the uh, Wookiee Life Day, but it probably won't be. Um, all right. So uh, thank you to everybody who's joined us. I think we're going to get out of here and uh, go back to our cryo chambers. 
Um, any yes. uh, any parting uh, twitchy Star Wars? Get to the Bacta. Get to the Bacta. We need more back. <laughs> Get to the Bacta. You have to do it more like Arnold. Get to the Bacta tank. Can you believe? Could you imagine if Arnold Schwarzenegger played Luke Skywalker? No. Wow. I have to use the Force. That would have been pretty great. Well, anyway, missed opportunities. Mark Hamill could have been in uh, uh, Total Recall. That's the trade-off. Mark Hamill could have been the Terminator. Oh, my God. Mark Ter Mark Hamill would be great as Terminator. He's going to be Chucky. You know that? Oh, dear. <laughs> he was already a great Joker. So, good for you, Mark Hamill. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us. We will see you on the next one. Uh, goodbye from all of us here at Delve. Basically, me, me and Alex. Bye. Basically. <laughs> Bye. Bye.